Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michaud, and today we're going to be talking about the astrology of September 2023. Hope that you're doing well out there and having a good Friday afternoon. I've been uh, raising some monarch butterfly caterpillars uh, the past few weeks, and today one of them hatched. So that was what I've been doing earlier this afternoon. So I hope that you are having a a, a nice afternoon, such as myself here. And we're going on a journey for a few hours. Let me know that you're here in the chat and um, we will will try to break it all down for you. Uh, Carol from Mass is here. Nice to see you, Carol. Uh, Grateful to be looking at September. Nice. Rachel Fletcher is joining us from Roanoke, Virginia. Hello, Rachel. Nice to see you. Tara Nicole says, haven't been able to join in a while. Happy to be here. Well, I'm happy you're here as well, Tara. Uh, Monique is joining us from Los Angeles. Hello, Monique. Nice to see you, friend. And we have more people stopping in and joining us here today. It's going to be an exciting day. I can feel the the movement towards Virgo season starting. Um, we still we still got a little bit of Leo season left. We don't want to shortchange Leo season, but... Virgo season is uh, one of my favorites, actually. I I just really enjoy the energy of that. Um, We're going to be breaking down the lunations, the ingresses, the planets moving into new signs. We're going to be looking at solar phases, of which we have quite a few in September, including a number of planets stationing direct and retrograde. Um, We're going to look at out-of-bounds planets. We're going to look at a hexagram and an animal for the month. And uh, we're going to break it down in detail, decan by decan. Um, KP1231 is joining us from Cleveland. Nice to see you, friend. Okay, so a couple announcements before we dive into it today, my friends. So if you haven't heard yet, if you're not on my mailing list or haven't been checking out my socials, I did launch an exciting opportunity over the weekend, over the Venus Kazemi. I launched the registration for my Deccan Walk 2324 which is going to be uh, a really fun program where we're going to work together for an entire year. We're going to go through 12 months, 36 decans. Um, we're going to meet twice a month. We're going to have a Discord server to discuss all of our insights and observations. You will get access to all 12 of my previously recorded decan webinars, over 30 hours of material. There's going to be a workbook to record your insights. There's going to be decan flashcards. Really excited about this offering. So you can see I pinned this in the the chat, a link to check out all the um, information for that. And I so, so hope that you'll join us on this journey. This is one of the largest offerings that I've put together and pretty excited about it. Um, Yeah, pretty, I've been kind of uh, feeling like one of these monarch caterpillars, like going through the, the stages of the life cycle of putting together a big offering and kind of then seeing it go out into the world. Uh, The timing has been really interesting, uh, seeing it coincide with the the life cycle of these caterpillars. So, uh, yeah, I hope that that you'll join us for that. Um, Payment plans are available upon request. You can split it up into quarterly payments. You can split it up into monthly payments. I'm flexible with the way that um, we can handle all of that business. So check that out. If you have any questions, feel free to send me an email at spencermichaudastrology.com. Uh, at gmail.com, and I'd be happy to to work with you to figure out a way to make it work for you. Okay. Monique says, do, we, do you really want to be stuck with me for a year, though? <laughs> well, you know, that'd be a choice that you're making. Um, 
No, I really do enjoy the the intimacy that we create going on these longer journeys together. We get to know each other really well. Um, you know, you'll have access to asking me questions about the Deccans as you live through each of the 36 faces. You know, each face lasts about 10 days. So we're going to be kind of like breaking it down in these 10-day sections and and kind of anticipating some of the themes that might come up in our own lives. Um, but then also having the experience of living living through it in real time together for an entire year. So if you like the style that I do, uh, breaking down things with tarot cards and the decans, um, this is a really great opportunity to be able to learn that over a long period of time, um, to be able to ask me questions, to look at charts. We're going to be going over so many charts that is going to be uh, related to these decanic placements. And we're going to be doing what I like to call collaborative storytelling. I think that we're going to, this is something we've been missing in modern times where we come together as a community and share our stories with one another uh, and, and kind of understand how life is treating one another in real time. And to be able to have the context of the decans and to be able to see the, the wheel of the year together, I think it's going to be really powerful. Um, and I think it's just going to be really life affirming. So I hope that you'll join me for that. Check that out. There's a link to that on the website uh, or in the chat. You can find that more information on my website, spencermichaud.com. Also sign up for the email list if you want more updates as we go forward. Please do me a huge favor, folks. Uh, can you please like and subscribe here today? Like the video, subscribe to the channel, turn on the notification bell, and then you'll get all the, uh, the, the juicy details as we move forward. That's going to be starting on October the 2nd. Um, so you have a little bit of time to think about it. But, you know, you know, spots are limited. <laughs> so we're going to, we'll probably will cap it, you know, maybe about 20, 25 people. So it'll be a small, intimate group. It's not going to be a huge group. Um, so if you want to get on that, back today. All right, friends, more people are stopping in in the chat. We've got Tammy Dollar stopping in from North Carolina. Hello, Tammy. Uh, Don is here from... Don is here from Mobile, Alabama. Uh, Kelly is here from Ventura. Um, Cookerzilla says, congrats on the Deccan offering. Thank you, my friend. Uh, hopefully you all did not hear my phone ringing on the audio like I did in here. Sorry, I'll turn that off. Um, so yeah, it's been quite a journey getting from point A to point B, putting together all the details and um, just kind of consolidating all that information. So thank you, Cookerzilla, for that. And I hope that if, if all of you have been uh, kind of putting together something in your life that you're sending out into the world that you're having success with it, some of these things, they just take consistency, right? They just take showing up from one day to the next and doing just the right amount of things that need to be done for that day and then resting and recharging and then coming back at it the next day. That's been definitely part of the process I've been going through um, with the Deccan's webinar and the Deccan walk. I talked last week, I don't have the book in front of me, but I talked last week about an executive skills book that I was recommending. Um, and that's really been helpful, like getting perseverance and resilience around this time of year as we're trying to put together and expand our offerings and expand what we are capable of in the world is really important. And I think learning those skills is really great. Um, so if you want to learn more about that, check out the last video that I did or send me an email. I, I don't have the book in front of me now, but it's been it's been instructional and educational. Okay, so what else? If you want to purchase some of my webinars piecemeal, 
The Decans of Leo is on sale until the 23rd of August, and I put the Decans of Virgo on sale early uh, this week, and they will be on sale to the 23rd of September. So if you want to check those out, you can. Although I will say, you will get a, a, quite a deal on all of the webinars as a package when you sign up for the Decan Walk. I took quite a bit off the price of each of those and put it into the price of the, um, of the class itself. So without further ado, let's dive into some astrology today. One last thing before we move on. If you want to make a material donation to the work that I'm doing here today and support the channel, there's a little dollar sign in the chat. It's called a super chat or a super sticker. That really does help me do the work that I'm doing here and funds all the research and all the books and all the things that help keep the lights on. So I'm really super appreciative of that. I also have a Venmo at Spencer Michelle and a PayPal me link that is in the description of this video if you prefer those methods. Okay, we ready? <laughs> I just got to collect myself. I'm on, a, I'm on Monarch Watch this afternoon. This morning, the Monarch hatched out of the chrysalis. And uh, right now, it's on the porch, kind of getting some sun and stretching its wings inside of its little enclosure. And I think after, after our show here today, I'm going to go release it after it dries out and has a chance to get, get the blood flowing through the, through the wings, through the veins and the wings. So I'm excited about that. It'll be a, a, a cool experience. I've got another chrysalis sitting next to me as well. I had another one that turned into a, into a chrysalis. So here's the next generation. I've been kind of calling them Brady sisters. Uh, I've got Marsha out on the porch right now, the oldest. Uh, this is Cindy over here, the youngest. Uh, Jan, unfortunately, did not make it. Jan just kind of got stuck in the middle of the transformation phase to the chrysalis and just did not make it. And, and I'm learning that, that is something that just happens. That's part of nature and accepting that not everything is going to make it to full fruition. The interesting thing, though, is that the cycle keeps on spinning because in one of the milkweeds that I brought in to feed these caterpillars, I found more eggs on the, the milkweed. So I have three more babies that I'll be trying to rear to adulthood. And I read a, a, a statistic this morning that 90% of monarchs in the wild that were laid eggs on a, a milkweed do not make it to adulthood. So uh, we're trying to do as much as we can to help the, the, the propagation of the species and help move them forward. So if I can get these five little babies out into the world as, as fully fledged adult butterflies, um, hopefully I'll be contributing something to, to the future uh, of the natural order and spirit. And I feel good about that. It feels really good to, to help out. Okay, so astrology of September. We've got four lunations. We have a last quarter moon on September the 6th at 14 degrees of Gemini, which will be squaring the sun in Virgo. So we'll break that down. Um, we have a new moon at 21 degrees of Virgo on the 14th of September, a first quarter moon at the, on the 22nd, excuse me, of September at 29 degrees of Sagittarius. And then we have a full moon once the sun has moved into Libra at six degrees of Aries. So we will have our first lunation of Libra season at the end of the month as well. We have one ingress this month. We only have the sun moving from Virgo into Libra at the end of the month with the fall equinox. That's on the 23rd of September. Solar phases are kind of the big story of the month. 
um, we have Venus stationing direct at 12 degrees of Leo on the 3rd of September. And then it's going to be handing over that retrograde cycle to Jupiter, basically, when Jupiter stations retrograde the next day, literally the next day, at 15 degrees of Taurus on, on September the 4th. So we're going to, we've been dealing with Venus retrograde challenges, and we'll be dealing with Jupiter retrograde issues moving forward. And we'll try to break that down for you. Um, Jupiter is going to station direct at five degrees of Taurus on December the 30th. So this is a longer cycle than we experienced with Venus. And these outer planets, they go retrograde for a, a, a decent portion of the year. So this is not something unusual. It may not even be as noticeable as something like a Venus or a Mercury retrograde, since those are considered somewhat more personal planets. But it may be more of a collective type of challenge. We do also have a Mercury Kazemi that's happening on September the 6th. So that is going to be at 13 degrees of Virgo while Mercury is retro retrograding. So this is the retrograde Kazemi. So we're starting off with Mercury retrograde as well. Um, I'm not as worried about this Mercury retrograde as, as sometimes we, we may be with other challenging cycles. Uh, Mercury has a lot of dignity right now, and this could be just a really great time to be able to review your process and the way that you bring things into fruition. Uh, I was talking with my friend Mo earlier today about time audits, about kind of taking stock of how we utilize our time. That'll be a great activity to be able to do during a Mercury retrograde. So we'll talk about that more as we go along today. Mercury will then station direct on the 15th of September at 8 degrees of Virgo while simultaneously emerging as a morning star. Okay, so I'll, I'll show you what that means in the chart when we get to that point in the, in the cycle, in the show. Um, but basically, Mercury emerging from the beams means that it's visible again. So a lot of the things that you will be working on or reworking as Mercury retrogrades goes into the heart of the sun and then emerges will start to become visible around the middle of the month. That's going to be very close to a fixed star called Thuban. So we'll talk about Thuban, which was the hoarding dragon. <laughs> so there might be issues around that as we move forward. Um, we're going to have only two out-of-bounds time periods during the month. We're going to have the moon going out-of-bounds from September 5th to September 11th. And then again, the moon will be out-of-bounds from September 20th to the 25th. So those are the big picture things. We, have, we don't have as many... Uh, aspects to talk about this month so this might be a little bit of a shorter show which is which is totally fine by me if you're listening to this in september you've probably got a lot of things on your plate and getting the information in and out quickly is probably exactly what you need around this period of time so we'll get to it susanna is here hello susanna nice to see you susanna from finland is joining us always happy to see you my friend okay so what i would like to do is i'm going to just start off by showing you a little bit about Virgo because we're going to be starting off the month with Virgo season here. So here is a slide from my decans of Virgo. This was actually the first webinar that I did. I started the cycle in Virgo season about a year, maybe a year and some change ago. I can't remember if it was 2022 or 2021. I think it was 2021. But here you see the transition from the first decan all the way to the third. And we see a story of an, an apprentice of an advanced age who is working very hard at their craft. And then we have the, the fruition of 
someone who has been able to manifest in the material world in the second decan of Virgo. And then we have someone who's, you know, maybe lived a life well lived and is thinking about the legacies that they're going to pass on to the next generation. Um, we have a, a daimon associated with each of these three decans. The first one being Thamus, who was a teacher of divine law. So in the first decan of Virgo, we're really learning about how to, um, the rules of incarnation, the rules that we need to understand so that we can bring essence into form. Uh, and then maybe also teaching that to others as well. When we get to the second decan, we have the, the, the Moirai as our daimon or spirit. And the Moirai were weavers of fate. So we're weaving our essence into material form during that second decan and kind of crafting our, our fate moving forward. And then finally, Hestia is the daimon for, for Virgo three, And Hestia was kind of the keeper of the sacred flame. Well, she was um, entrusted with being able to protect the city, but also there's some themes of passing on legacies with Hestia as well. So, so we'll break that down in depth. Let's talk Virgo one. Virgo one, and we we're going to be experiencing just for a couple days at the very beginning of the month. Okay, so we, we have part of Virgo one is going to be through August. So if you were wanting to get more insight into the first decade of Virgo and what that might mean for you, um, you can check out my last my last uh, live stream, last monthly live stream, excuse me, with the astrology of August. But themes that we're going to be experiencing here, apprenticeship, focus, learning the laws of incarnation, like we spoke about with Thamus, awareness of skills or a lack of skills. I, oftentimes when we go through a decanic journey and a tarot journey that's related to that, we get an introduction to the energy in the first decan. We have kind of the, the concentration of that energy in the second, and then the results of that energy in the third decan. So we may feel like we need to learn something new due to our awareness of, of a lack of having something. And, and sometimes that can be frustrating, sometimes that can be challenging, but um, any learning process, I think, starts with an awareness of what we want to add into our skill set. And try not to get too bent out of shape if, you, if you're faced with a situation where you're like, oh, I, I guess I didn't know that I needed to know that, right? Because that's just, that's just life and that's how things go most of the time. Um, Virgo one is also a great decan for asking questions. There's a, a heavy energy of the skeptic in this decan. I have Jupiter in this decan, which uh, traditionally would be Jupiter in its exile. Uh, but what I have found being it's my benefic planet, which is insect because I am a solar birth, a day birth, which means that it's the planet that, that I look to to bring me good fortune or the actions that I would take to, to bring good fortune in my life. I've, I've learned that my awareness of the skills that I lack have, has led me on some really important journeys of, of education um, and also sharing my knowledge. So this can also be a decade not only of learning, but of teaching as well. Um, I consider myself an eternal student. I have a lot of skepticism that comes up where I ask a lot of questions. When I was a young student in school, my teachers, <laughs> some of them loved that I questioned every, everything. Some of the authority figures love that. Others, not so much, because they're like, why do you keep asking so many questions? But it was out of a genuine curiosity to understand how things worked. Like, uh, I, I, for here's a, a small example. I play fantasy football. And um, 
last year was my first year playing fantasy football and I didn't quite understand the rules. I kind of joined late and I got real frustrated in the beginning of the year because I didn't quite understand how everything worked and that put me behind the eight ball, so to speak, in the league after the draft. So this, this year, I have the experience of going through that for an entire year. And also, I want to be extremely clear on what the rules are of the leagues that I'm participating in so that I understand what I will need to do to be able to be successful. Now, this can be, this is, that's a, you know, a fun kind of diversionary example, but this could be true for any project that you're working on. Um, you have to understand how things work before you can become skilled at it, right? You have to understand how um, the pedals work on a bicycle before you learn to ride a bike. You need to learn where to put your hands on the handlebars. You need to learn what type of equipment you might need. Uh, and, and yes, you could just jump on the bike and just say, I'm off, you know, but you may scrape your knee and you might injure yourself along the way. And if you'd taken some time to prepare, you may uh, be more successful and experience less pain along the way. Um, I think that the the opposite sign of Pisces is sometimes known for just jumping head first into the deep end and just they say, I'm going to, I'll, I'll, I know how to swim. <laughs> like sometimes they swim and sometimes they drown. And there's, there's some beauty in that as well. Uh, Sagittarians can be like this too. The Jupiter ruled signs, Jupiter energy can be a lot more about like, I just want to do it. I don't need to ask all these questions. But if you have a lot of mercurial energy, Gemini and Virgo placements or something of that nature, you ask a lot of questions. You want to know how things work. And that is okay. We all need to go through each of the phases of the zodiac and each of the celestial spheres and, and embrace all of the energies of the planets. So some questions you could ask yourself at the beginning of Virgo season. What is possible? What is realistic and what isn't? That's something that Virgo is very much concerned about. Uh, what is What can actually be done in physical form, right? In physical reality. Because we have sometimes we have dreams and they don't always, um, they're not always realistic. And Saturn is really kind of, especially in the first decade of, of Pisces, has been trying to really help us to get real about which of our dreams we can manifest and which ones we should let go. So what skills do I need to learn to manifest spirit into matter or form? Really important thing to ask yourself. How do I begin to sort through the harvest? This is another important Virgo uh, signification where we are trying to learn how to preserve something against the ravages of time. Uh, we've spent all of summer growing things. We have an abundant uh, harvest, and now we need to learn how to separate out the things that are going to decay and the things that are worth preserving. So there's a lot of um, evaluation of value in Virgo. Okay, so which of these things do we need to return to the earth? Which, which, which elements need to go and which ones need to be preserved and how do we preserve it? So you could also ask yourself, what are my gifts? And, and also conversely, what are my flaws? A lot of self-examination during Virgo season, which is, is again, very healthy. Okay? I think that too much can be uh, paralyzing, but enough self-evaluation can really lead you to doing things in a way that is much more efficient. Uh, how do I consolidate this abundance? So that's a great question to ask yourself. If you've spent a lot of time over the summer growing something, now you need to put it away for the winter. The anxiety that we might feel during Virgo season, has a lot of it has to do with feeling the time pressure that if we don't make hay while the sun is shining, right? If we don't preserve the food that we've grown over the summer, 
and we'll starve in the winter. And that's, that's some reasonable time pressure. I think sometimes having a deadline can really move you forward in life. I know that as I've been going through the executive skills book, one of them is called task initiation. This is one of the weaknesses I actually have. I, I, there's 10 executive skills that they list in this book. I was very strong in working memory. If, I don't know if that's any surprise to anybody here. I got to remember everything. Uh, and I think that it doesn't always come out of my mouth the right way, but I definitely remember the details. Uh, I was strong in metacognition, which I think is a really good uh, skill for astrologers and things of that nature. Um, I had another one that was, I don't remember what the other one was exactly. And there's my, my working memory part. But task initiation, stress tolerance, and emotional control were my weaknesses. So when we think about task initiation, sometimes it's hard to get started. It's inertia. I'm going to blame my Taurus moon for this, where I, oh, oh, Response inhibition was my other strength, where I think things over very strongly before I say or do something. Um, and this is trained, I was trained in this from my father, who was like, think before you speak, Spencer, think before you do, you know, because I was a little bit impulsive as a young person. He really trained me to think about things before I took, took an action. Um, so sometimes, like, let's say you are a little bit deficient in task initiation. You need a deadline. You need something that's going to say, I need to have this done by this period of time. For me, with the Deccan Walk, I said, I want to release the Deccan Walk at the Kazemi of Venus, the Venus Kazemi. And I started talking about it beforehand to create some accountability around that. I talked about it publicly on this channel. And there was some, it felt some pressure trying to get all the details together to meet that deadline. But the deadline helped me to get it across the finish line. So those are some things that I think are going to be important during Virgo seasons. How can you create the right circumstances to help you to uh, find success? Okay. So I'm going to stop my share here and we're going to go through, start looking at the chart. Um, there's not a lot of aspects that we're going to be seeing in the two days left of Virgo one. So what I do think is important as we start the month though, is that we're going to be coming off of the full moon in Pisces. So we're going to have Pisces moon that was opposite the Virgo sun at the very end of August. And the one thing I do want you to, to pay attention to is in Hellenistic astrology, they looked at the first aspect that the moon would make after it was released from something called the bond. And the bond, the bond was where uh, the moon was within 15 degrees of either side of a conjunction with the sun or an opposition with the sun. So in this case, once this, this, the moon moves away from 15 degrees of opposition from the sun, the first aspect that we're going to get is going to be in opposition with Mars. And you can see that here at the beginning of the month. Okay, So here is the, the moon's first traditional aspect. I'm not counting outer planets in this. Okay. Some people may want to do that, but since this is a Hellenistic technique, I'm going to stick with Hellenistic planets for that technique. So what might that mean at the very beginning of the month? Um, we've, we've got, of course, we have Mercury uh, and Venus still retrograde at the very beginning of the month, although Venus will be stationing to turn direct, so you might start to get some clarity around Venusian issues 
around the Taurus and Libra area of your chart, as well as in the Leo area of your chart where the station is happening. You may be reviewing some things in the Virgo area of your chart. But the moon opposite Mars here, we're starting off with Mars and Libra, which is not a comfortable place for Mars. This is Mars and its exile. This is a Mars that instead of maybe being able to initiate projects uh, with personal sovereignty, okay, like with, with under your own power, there may be some circumstances that you may be experiencing where you're having to make compromises with others before you can move forward. Uh, the other thing that I will say with Mars in the first decade of Libra is you may be really feeling a lot of um, anger potentially around an imbalance or an injustice. That first decade of Libra, as we will talk about at the end of the, the show today, because we are going to talk about Libra 1, it, it is related to an awareness of something that is out of balance potentially that you will need to do work to bring back into balance so there's probably going to be an awareness of an imbalance at the at the beginning of the month you may be feeling very um self-directed with the moon moving into aries like you really want to do move forward under your own power but there may be something that you need to examine as far as an imbalance uh, before you can move forward and there may be a little bit of a tension between that as we get to this off this full moon uh, in, in Pisces. Okay, that full moon, a lot of the energy around that full moon was around the skills that you need to move forward, the form that something was taking, and the essence that you are trying to uh, bring into physical reality with the moon in the first decade of Pisces. Now, the moon was hanging out with Saturn in that particular place as well. So there may have been some reality checks that came at the end of August and into the beginning of September. Okay. So I think that my advice for just the first two days or so of the month is understand that your self-directed actions, your personal desires may run into uh, a need to figure out how to harmonize. You may feel a little bit upset about an imbalance or something of that nature, and it might take some work to bring things back into equilibrium. But I wouldn't get too bent out of shape about that. Like, this is normal. This is normal to, to have an awareness of, of what we lack to be able to do the work to bring it into balance or fruition. Just like we were maybe having an awareness of the skills that we might lack in the first decade of Virgo so that we can work on them and improve them. We may be aware of an imbalance in Libra or we're starting to work towards compromises and, and balance contractual agreements, uh, being able to manage our own peaceful center rather than always relying on external circumstances being perfect. Okay, these are all issues that will come up during Libra season. Okay, Sabrina Luna is here. Says, hey, I'll listen when I get home from work. Thanks. Nice to see you, Sabrina. Okay, so I'm going to go, that's our first two days or so of the month. So you can see if I go forward a day, then we'll be, you know, continuing on with the Aries moon. And we're, the moon's going to run into Chiron. So there might be some, some self-doubt that comes around your self-directed actions. It's going to hit the north node around that period of time as well. Incre maybe increasing your, your emotional um, relationship with somebody in your life potentially, um, or with your own body. This could be something that's related to the body as well with the moon making those contacts. 
Okay, when we get to the third, when we get to the third, the moon is going to be moving into Taurus, which is a, an improvement for the moon. That's the moon and its exaltation. And we're going to be seeing Venus stationing direct. Okay, so here is the, the direct motion of Venus. It's going to be happening, oh, let's see what, what time of day it's going to happen. Let's look at it exactly. So about 9.20 p.m., okay, Eastern time. So later in the day, uh, we're going to have Venus here stationing direct. So that whole day, Venus will be in what is called its phasis moment, which is, an, is, is a fancy word for an omen that speaks. So when we have a planet in, in phasis, when it's stationing retrograde or direct, or when it's you know, doing a Kazemi or, or emerging from the beams, those are all con considered conditions of phasis. It, it is something where that planet's going to be speaking louder. So you could see Venus stationing direct where you start to understand what you really, what you really love, what you really desire. You might start to understand parts of yourself that you really love, being in, in, in Leo here understanding what your strengths are. Um, and then, you know, simultaneously, Jupiter is going to be stationing retrograde the next day. So your awareness of your values may cause you to reconsider some of the actions that you were taking in the Jupiter area that it's traveling through, through Taurus. So there may be something in the Taurus topic of your life in this random Aries rising chart. This would be in finances. So maybe realizing Here's just an example. Venus going direct in your fifth house, Aries rising, could cause you to, to understand what it is that you love, what it is that you want to be able to, I don't know, seek pleasure from, or that you want to entertain yourself with. And that may cause a reevaluation of how you spend your money and how you, you, uh, you know, budget your time and your resources with Jupiter stationing retrograde in your second house. So that's just like an example of how those two topics are going to be connected. So I want you to look at your own chart and see which of those topics are connected. And the impetus of Venus moving forward is also going to be having an effect on the actions that you might take with Jupiter turning retrograde. This is also important because Venus is the host of Jupiter uh, during the beginning of this retrograde as well. So the realizations that we get at the fastest moment of Venus moving direct will have direct repercussions on how we're going to take actions that get, could possibly bring us honor and merit with Jupiter. It may cause a, a shift in our belief systems as well with Jupiter stationing retrograde. I'm going to stop the share for a second, and I'm going to pull up the Deccan's webinar again because I want to show you a little bit about Virgo 2. So this is... This is just some of my slides from the uh, Virgo webinar. And again, you will have access to all of these webinars if you sign up for the Deccan Walk. If you already have some of them, send me an email and we can work out a different um, price that takes, out, takes into account that you already have the, those Deccan webinars. So there can be adjustments made if you already have those, but they are required for the course. They're going to be a big part of our learning experience. Okay, Virgo 2, enclosing spirit into matter, um, the Moirai, right? 
process and production, binding essence into matter, unification, beauty, and balance through hard, dirty work. Austin Kopic talks a lot about Hestia, or not Hestia, excuse me, Hephaestus in his chapter uh, in 36 Faces. So Hephaestus, of course, was the blacksmith uh, in Greek mythology, who uh, ironically enough was the consort or husband of Aphrodite. So sometimes when we're trying to create something beautiful, we need to have you know, the, the, the work ethic to bring it into fruition and into reality. So there, oftentimes clients that I've had with, with prominent placements in the second decan of Virgo are extremely hard workers who may also not really mind some of the solitude that comes with being completely absorbed in their creative process. So we may be feeling a little bit of solitude around this period of time, but we may not be too bent out of shape about it, right? Of course, there are exceptions to this. Uh, this is a Venus-ruled decan. The first decan of Virgo was solar-ruled. Uh, so we have an, a clarity energy with the first decan, and here we're trying to bring things together, right? Essence and matter. So unification, beauty, and balance through hard, dirty work. Um, concealment behind the scenes labor, right? So this is all the work that you're doing that not everyone's going to see. You know, craftsmen spend a lot of time in their workshop. Uh, I spend a lot of time studying. People don't always see me out in the world, and that's that's choice. And I, uh, and like for example, we have another friend of the show, Janet Goodspeed, who spends a lot of time in her workshop. I imagine, you know, just kind of grinding away at her uh, tarot talismans, which are really cool. Um, so during this process, when you're workshopping something, when you're trying to bring something into reality, it's important to weed out some of those inefficiencies in the process. We're always going to run into some things that we, we thought would work, but then don't. And our resiliency and our ability to be flexible, this is a mutable sign, is going to help us get to the, to the other side of having a fully realized creation. So you could see in this card that this figure who is wealthy, Right. This is a wealthy figure who is in a lush garden, excuse me, who is um, holding a falcon. And this falcon is representative of the types of uh, challenges that we may face, where we have to use our discernment to be able to take out certain parts that might threaten the, the, the completion of our project. So this falcon is, could like be weeding out vermin that could threaten the lushness of this garden. Um, so, so some things to consider with this. So solitude and self-reliance are, are important in this decan as well. Although, like I said, there is some, some loneliness inherent within it. It's a Venus ruled decan in Virgo. So think about it. You can almost think about it like Venus in Virgo, okay, which is Venus in its, in its fall as well. So, so there is some, there's a little bit of challenges, a little bit of awkwardness within that, because uh, I would say that if you have prominent placements in this decan, you know, I think that you may be an, an amazing artist, and this is not, this is not a, a universal, okay, like there, there are exceptions to all of this, but I'm sure that there, I've, I've seen some clients that, have, especially with Venus and Virgo, who are amazing artists, but they have some loneliness in their life, and some of them uh, wish for, you know, an easier go at partnerships. Others of them are completely comfortable with that solitude. So it varies based on your temperament. Callie says, does the second decan start at 10 
or 11. I think 10 degrees. I, I Right when it switches over to the to 10 degrees is when I consider it the, the second decan. Um, questions. How does what how does this need to be refined and this being just your project your your skill set um, anything that you're working on how do you how are you going to weed out the inefficiencies in that process process is a really important keyword for virgo what physical sacrifices are necessary to influence to infuse essence into form okay that's important right how do we how do we go through and do what's necessary to bring something into fruition, to weave our fate moving forward. How do I weed out the vermin that threaten the process? Um, and that could be distractions. Uh, if you've ever met a Virgo who is absorbed in the process, they can be very, very short with you. <laughs> like I've seen this in action. I had two Virgo step parents, and when they were absorbed in something that was important to them, you didn't want to talk to them because they were they didn't want to chit chat with you. They were they were ready to get down to business. And I actually have a little bit of this in my personality too. If I'm if I have two, uh, three planets in Virgo, and when I'm really absorbed in something, I try to eliminate as many distractions as I can. Although, being a uh, Venus Gemini, <laughs> squaring all of that is sometimes a challenge. Um, let's see. How do I work with humility and devotion behind the scenes? Okay, there's Virgo energy. A lot of the times Virgo people will be the, the glue that holds things together, but they don't always get the credit for, for what they've done. Uh, there is a transition from Leo to Virgo where the, the work itself becomes a lot more important than the, the glorification for the work. And I think that's a really important transition from Leo to Virgo is it's not really about the applause anymore, which sometimes it can be with Leo placements. It's more about is the work done right? Okay, so so getting it right versus getting you know the feedback and the 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 uh, I don't know the parade for what you've done becomes less important during Virgo season. That stuff doesn't matter anymore. Okay, is 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 it done correctly to the standard that has been set or that is expected? Um, how do I uh, say, how do I delay gratification until the work is done? Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> like working with time. When we feel that time pressure, we may have to give up some things that we would normally seek as playful distractions to do an imp something important that is time sensitive. So like instead of going and, you know, lazing around on the beach in, in Virgo season, you may feel like, if you were like a farmer, you'd be like, oh shit, I, I need to go can some tomatoes so that they don't go bad. Because uh, you have a very small window when you're, when you're harvesting. Um, if any of you have ever done work growing your own food, you know, you, you could find yourself with like bushels and bushels of tomatoes and you wait too long to preserve them, you could lose the entire harvest, the entire yield. So there is time pressure that comes within that. There's also a perfect moment to pick something off the vine too. And this is also associated with Virgos. When is the right moment to harvest something as well? Okay, Smile is here. Nice to see you, Smile. Hi, long time, so glad I made it to live. Hope you're well. Hello, I'm doing okay. Yes, for sure. Um, okay. And then finally, how do I create space in my life to focus on the project at hand? This, this along goes along with time management. Um, this is also 
an important time to communicate to the people in your life, your friends, your family, your kids, that you need some space to get something done. That's often the hardest thing to do when you're trying to learn something new or bring something into reality is having the people around you, the most important people, respect that time and that space. I ran into this a lot when I taught guitar. I used to teach guitar classes at community education centers, like adult reckon ed type of stuff. And the biggest, one of the biggest conversations we had was how can you get time to practice that's uninterrupted? And how can you get the support from your partner or your family to give you that space that you need? And especially the space that you need to make mistakes. Because oftentimes when I was teaching adults an instrument, they were so embarrassed to like bother anybody with the mistakes that they were making that they just never practiced. And I, I would tell them, you need to have a, if someone loves you, you need to have a conversation with them and say, look, I, I, I need this space, this time, and it might not sound good. It might not look good at first, but I need you to have some patience with me around this. And I'm that's the space I need to get better at this. And sometimes that never even occurred to them to have that conversation with their loved ones. And if your loved one can't give you that, there may be some other issues in your, in your life that you may have to examine within your relationship. But overall, I found that that is not that difficult of a, of a, of a t conversation to have with your significant other or with your family. Now, actually getting the time and the space and making the agreement and finding the solitude that you need to really focus, that's another question. So, so we're going to be experiencing Virgo 2 from September the 2nd to September the 12th. So let's take a look at that. Okay. Yeah, Cookerzilla is getting some important news on the first. Good. I hope that it's good news. Absorbing all of your Virgo advice. Oh, I've got plenty of Virgo advice, Cookerzilla. <laughs> I, as much as I relate to the Cancer Sun archetype, the Taurus Moon archetype, and my Leo Ascendant archetype, I really do resonate with the Virgo stories, um, having three planets there, the most most concentrated area of my chart is actually Virgo with Jupiter, Saturn, and Mars all in various decans of Virgo, Jupiter in the first decan, and Mars and Saturn in the third. So yes, it is, uh, it is, it's Virgo, it's Virgo, it's a Virgo energy around here. Kobabs is here, nice to see you, friend. Okay, so we're looking at September the third, the beginning of the sun in Virgo. And I have this as, I'm going to go back to just noon. So just keep that in mind. I'm just going to, we're going to be looking at things at noon just to give us a, a general idea of where things are across the day. So the big news on the third and into the fourth is that Jupiter is going to be stationing retrograde. And we talked about that briefly already at the handing over of Venus to Jupiter in its retrograde cycle. Now, what does Jupiter represent? Jupiter can represent uh, beliefs. It can represent spirituality, religion. It can represent actions that we are taking out in the world. It is because it is of the solar sect. Ancient astrologers would, would associate the sun with the will and with awareness and clarity. And 
Jupiter being the benefic is the types of actions that you might take out in the world that will bring you honor and merit. I always look at someone's Jupiter, especially if they're a day chart, to see what types of actions they can take to be successful out in the world, right? Uh, for example, with Jupiter in the second decan of Taurus, the second decan of Taurus is, is associated with the six of pentacles. That, that decan has uh, some associations with generosity, with giving and receiving, but also uh, with the ability to set a consistent rhythm to, to be able to fructify, which is a fancy word that I learned from Austin Kopic, uh, the soil. Which, how do you create constant fertility? How do you uh, plant the seeds at the right time and take care of it in the right way to bring it to fruition? So the types of actions that you may, that may be up for review are, first of all, giving and receiving, generosity, and being open to receive abundance. Uh, the types of routines that you keep that are creating abundant abundant material resources within your life. Now, this is important too, because Mercury is going to be retrograding in Virgo. So the combination, the trine between Mercury in the second decan of Virgo and a, you know, a retrograde Jupiter, we're going to have two different cycles where Mercury is going to trine Jupiter over the course of the month. Okay. So this is happening exactly on the same day. So let's talk about this. So this is going to be September the 4th, roughly. So I can go forward another day if you want here. Okay, so here is the, the retrograde of Jupiter is beginning. Okay, and we have a trine that's going to be perfecting from Mercury retrograde to Jupiter at roughly 15 degrees of Taurus and Virgo, respectively. So as you examine the ways that you either give or receive abundance or the ways that you set up your daily habits and routines all of those things are going to be up for reevaluation as mercury is retrograding as well but the good news is is that mercury retrogrades in virgo i think are some of the most productive mercury retrogrades we can probably experience mercury is in really good shape you can you have a really good sense of um, discrimination. And I mean that in the most positive sense. You're able to separate fact from fiction. You're able to separate out um, what, what is helping you on your journey and what may be getting in the way. And Mercury retrograde is a great time to reevaluate time management, right? Like what are the routines that you're doing that are either getting in the way of your success or that the things that are really working well. And I would encourage you to not just identify the things that aren't working. Um, give yourself some, some credit for the things that you do well also. You don't want to get, be too hard on yourself. You want to be balanced between being objective about your weaknesses, but also identifying your strengths. This is another kind of secret signification of Virgo. It's not just about finding flaws. Virgo energy is about identifying something of value as well, in my, my humble opinion. Uh, welcoming Maggie to the broadcast today. Hello, Maggie from Nagadochis, <laughs> Texas. I hope I always get that. I wonder if I'm getting that one right. Nagadochis. Nagadochis. Is the G silent? Well, welcome, Maggie, either way. This is, Maggie's my ascending degree buddy. Hope you're doing well out there, my Leo Rising friend. 
Okay. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of excited for Mercury retrogrades in Virgo, and you know, seeing what is going to work and what isn't. So the other thing to keep in mind as we experience the Jupiter retrograde cycle, a couple dates for you to keep in mind. There's going to be a pretty important opposition for Jupiter uh, on the 28th of October um, with Mercury and Mars in Scorpio, 11 degrees of Scorpio, opposing Jupiter at 11 degrees of Taurus. So keep that one on your radar, especially if you have personal planets uh, around those degrees, because there could be give me some tension around that period of time. There could be something where you're you're really trying to figure out uh, uh, how your daily routines and habits are are affecting um, your relationships as well, because that second decan of of uh, Scorpio is really about deeply bonded and intermeshed relationships where we're kind of exchanging energy with someone else and trying to understand if that exchange is healthy or if, or if it is uh, a toxic relationship. We'll also be seeing an opposition between the Sun and Jupiter on November the 3rd at 10 degrees of Scorpio and Taurus, respectively. So the, that last week of October, first week of November will be really important for the Jupiter retrograde cycle. And then finally, Jupiter is going to station direct at five degrees of Taurus on December the 30th. So, so that's kind of your timeline with the, the major hits as I see it. There's going to be other small aspects to Jupiter along the way. But those are going to be the maybe the the peak uh, the peaks of that cycle in my opinion. Um, the Ju the Jupiter trine with Mercury retrograde. Jupiter is going to trine Mercury retrograde before it stations retrograde. Okay, so this is this is the direct motion as it's stationing to a halt and then trining uh, a retrograde Mercury, and then when we get to the twenty fifth of September. Mercury in its direct phase is going to trine Jupiter in its retrograde phase again. So if things didn't work out in the beginning of the month, or if you identified some of the challenges, like the time management challenges, the, the way that you set your day up or your routines, you'll have another opportunity for almost like a progress report at the end of the month. I'm just like looking at this time and I'm, <laughs> this is going to sound silly, but this, this week, is going to be the kind of the beginning of the football season. And I have committed to being in not one, but potentially two fantasy football leagues. And I've been working really hard at my, my craft with my tarot and astrology reading and things of that nature. But at the beginning of the fantasy football season, I'm gonna to have to work really hard to be able to set healthy boundaries and limits on my intellectual and emotional investment in a an entertainment type of diversion <laughs> because last year uh i don't do anything kind of like casually I, I just it's just really not i'm not hardwired that way for me i want to know every single detail about every project that i'm doing and i think i'm really going to be tested on that uh over the course of this beginning of the month of september I'm telling myself now that I, I'm going to limit the time that I allow myself to do something fun and, di and diversionary so that I have enough time to work on my responsibilities, that, the work that I lo love to do, but that I've also committed to do. So those are things to think about as well. Like there may be something where you, you are trying to 
find a balance between the, the work that is necessary to like support yourself and the work that you do for your job and and maybe the things that you find fun right um i i don't begrudge anybody having fun i think that it's it's really important for us to take a break from all the seriousness of the things that we do in the world but the, the important thing is how do you set healthy boundaries on your time so that something fun doesn't become something toxic over time like I will admit, friends, last year I struggled a little bit at various times in the football season because I would lay awake at night being like, should I start this person? At, at, you know? <laughs> like, you have to make choices about which players you play on certain days. And my uber analytical brain was just like analyzing things from like every single angle. And my friends have been telling me this year, like, just relax. You, you've, you have some experience this year. You know how it works. Have fun with it. All right. So that's my advice to you and, and to my future self. Have fun with the diversionary thing. Try to do it in a way that is supplemental and complementary to what you are doing otherwise. That's more your more quote-unquote serious work without it becoming something that takes over your life. And the way that I'm making that agreement with myself is I think that I, I also enjoy doing what is called a time audit all right a time audit can be where you actually examine what you are doing with your day it's instead of making a schedule for your day you just record what you actually do over the course of the day mercury retrograde would be an excellent time for that so let's say you have a diversionary thing that you want to do you could limit yourself to doing that for half an hour a day or an hour a day if that's what you want to build into your schedule but that's it and you can hold yourself accountable by stopping when that timer is done right because if you go over uh you're just not going to trust yourself to do something this was something that i talked a lot about with creativity in my songwriting classes as well i encouraged people to do writing exercises for 10 minutes it was something uh, what was it called it was from a Berkeley School of Music writing exercise from, uh, well, I'm looking at my shelf for the book. The book escapes me right now. Writing Better Lyrics by Pat Patterson. And there was a writing exercise where you wrote for 10 minutes using your sensory information, but you stopped. You had to stop when the timer went off. And what you're doing is you're training yourself to click into action and to to only go for that period of time so that your brain is trained to really get moving when you start the timer. You also want to stop because you may have extra ideas and, and, and you may be like, oh, I have extra ideas or I have extra things I want to do with my pleasure time, right? But when you stop, what you're doing is you're telling yourself that it's okay to engage with that activity because you're not going to lose yourself in it. Oftentimes when we're creatives, we're afraid of sitting down to create because we will lose all sense of time and space. I used to do this a lot. As a, as a musician and a writer, I would forget to eat. I would wake up, literally wake up to my surroundings and I'd been playing guitar for like six hours and it would be two o'clock in the morning. I'm like, oh man, I gotta get up early and do this other thing tomorrow. And, and I would, you know, beat myself up for it. And, and it would be harder to sit down with the guitar, or with the, the page or whatever project it was, because I didn't trust myself to stop when I needed to stop. 
And I know that some people will say, yes, well, you got to chase the muse. And I, I do agree with that to some extent. But there, there are some songwriters that I really respect. One of them was Richard Rogers, who was the, of the Rogers and Hammerstein uh, fame, who basically had, he had two hours every morning where he had a family. Like this was all always the complaint I got in songwriting. Oh, I got a family. I got all these responsibilities. I got a full-time job. And I understand that. But he said, I have two hours every morning. And he was a professional musician. That was his job. And he said, I need my family and his two kids to leave me alone during that two hours. And he sat at the piano, no matter what, every single day he would sit there. And even if you don't have something, the next great American song coming out of you, if, you know, like the sound of music isn't coming out of you, for example, um, you are still training yourself to trust that you will show up. You are, you're communicating to the muse that, that you are a reliable person that will show up and that is worthy of receiving the inspiration at that moment. Um, it's a really powerful technique. Neil Young's the other artist I was thinking of. He wrote a thousand songs for every 10 that made it to an album, basically. He would just, he would write about anything. He would write about his meal that he had that day, or he'd write about how, you know, his, his sitting on the can for the day or something like it, it didn't matter. And, you know, a lot of those songs weren't good, but when he got something good, like it was really good. And he had a lot more, you know, darts to be able to hit the bullseye. So I would encourage you during this period of time, Jupiter retrograde, Mercury retrograde, set limits with your time, audit your time, show up for the muse regularly, but set a limit on it as well. Because having a healthy balance in life is going to help you to produce higher quality work more consistently. Okay, more consistently. And, and I think that the more consistent you can be as an artist, as a person, the more chances you have for success, in my opinion. Okay, so that's the trine between Mercury and Jupiter, which I think can be very productive and very instructive. So we move forward to the fifth. So we go to the fifth, and really the best, the aspect that we have on the fifth that we're looking out for, or the, the condition that we have, is just the moon's going to be out of bounds uh, starting on September the 5th until September the 11th for roughly six days. I've been noticing that at different times of the year, the out-of-bounds periods are longer or shorter. And as we get into the fall, these out-of-bounds periods are extending into five, six days instead of three to four days. Excuse me, and I'm not exactly sure the the, the mathematical reason for that, but I'm sure that it is just something about the way that the moon is is working at different tilts of the of the earth and things of that nature. But we're going to have about six days of an out-of-bounds moon, which means that we may be feeling a little bit maybe tired. We may be feeling a little burnt out, a little overwhelmed, a little bit more emotional than, than usual. Um, our memories may be going into overdrive. I see also that the moon's going to be making a connection with Uranus in the third decan of Taurus around this period of time. So we may be dealing with some things that are potentially outside of our control, like being humbled in the face of nature, potentially, or we may also be dealing with uh, evaluating a process and atoning for mistakes that we've made and making changes. That's another part of Taurus 3 that we could be looking at. When we get to the 6th, 
September the 6th, uh, we are going to be experiencing two astrological events that day. The first of which is the Kazemi of Mercury, the retrograde inferior conjunction of Mercury to the sun. Mercury is being renewed in the heart of the sun. During Mercury's retrograde cycle, when it is under the beams, when it goes under the beams of the sun, uh, a, a good friend of mine, Gary Caton, likes to describe that as Mercury's psychopomp phase, where Mercury is guiding souls into the underworld and where we're going into the depths of our, of our hearts, of our spirits, of our experiences to be able to be reborn again. Okay, so uh, he, he likened the, the, the uh, direct motion of Mercury heading into the beams of the sun as Mercury visiting Olympus or getting a download from the gods. Here it is a chthonic experience or a thonic Mercury where we're, it's rising up from the bowels of the earth, from the depths. So pay attention to messages that, that you feel may be rising from the depths of your subconscious that have been buried in your memory, that have been buried wherever, okay? Because this could be a really important moment for understanding the types of skills, a Mercury keyword, that you may need to bring your vision and weave that fate into form, okay? The sun is, it always burns off the dross from the old cycle. This also could give you a completely new start in the Virgo area of your life, as well as a new start in the Gemini area of your chart because it rules, Mercury rules both Virgo and Gemini, okay? So those two topics in your personal natal chart will be getting a renewal. Now, the interesting thing about this is that it, it you don't always see the results of something at a Mercury Kazemi or at any Kazemi. You're really just getting clarity about something. Oftentimes, the fruition of the clarified moment, will you'll see the fruition when the planet becomes visible once again. So have some patience. You don't always have like lightning strike you, uh, a lightning awareness strike you on this day, but just pay attention to messages that you receive, ideas that you have that bubble up from the subconscious, uh, especially around, you know, how you bring a dream into reality. Okay, the other experience we're having does have to do with Gemini. So we have the, the Mercury Kazemi, but we also have a last quarter moon. So here we have the moon in Gemini at roughly 14 degrees of Gemini will eventually square the sun at 13 degrees of Virgo. So last quarter moons are generally, according to Dane Rudyar and, and then Demetra George, who was very inspired by her, his work, um, they are existential crises, right? They're, they're crises, crises of, of faith, they're crises of belief, where we are trying to figure out what needs to be let go of for the next cycle. It's a release. It is the moon losing light. So you may have something, some realization at this Mercury Kazemi of something that you need to let go of, right? Maybe it's a, a set of distractions that you realize that you need to let go of, um, especially with the moon in, in Gemini. 
there could be uh, something where you are just overthinking a process completely. I would say that the Mercury energy in Gemini is an expanding of possibilities, whereas the, the energy in Virgo is narrowing things down, okay? So th there's going to be tension between wanting to do all the things and needing to prioritize around this period of time. So oftentimes to do something well, you just can't do everything at the same time. And this is something that we talk about a lot with Gemini clients in particular is just because you're giving up one pathway right now in the moment does not mean that you can't revisit it at a later time. Okay. It's, it's, there is a lot of mythology in that sign around sacrifice of one of those particular paths. Yes, you need to understand the ramifications of each particular pathway, but eventually you have to choose and you have to make a choice. So this could be a moment where you're making choices. Um, <laughs> I'm just looking at this and I'm like, that's probably going to be the draft for my fantasy football league. <laughs> like the, the last quarter where there's going to be so many choices and I'm probably, you know, I'm just feeling like, oh, I'm probably going to be overwhelmed with all the players that I could choose. But eventually you just have to choose and say, okay, this is the, this is the person that's going to lead the, lead the charge here. Okay. That's a, 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 a dumb example or a ridiculous example of something that you might be experiencing where you have all these possibilities, but it's going to be time to make a choice. Okay. And that's going to free, that's actually going to free you up for the next lunar lunation cycle, which is going to be a Virgo new moon about how you're going to pass on your legacy to the next generation. Okay. So, so once you make those choices, it's going to become a lot clearer about what needs to happen moving forward so that you can, you know, pass on what needs to be passed on, preserve what needs to be preserved against the ravages of time and let go of what needs to be let go of. Okay, the final non-lunar aspect that we have in the second decan of Virgo, the solar period of the second decan of Virgo, is a trine with the sun and Jupiter. This is really interesting. So this is the 8th of September. I like this. So we have we just gone through the Kazemi of Mercury. We had a square with the moon where we've hopefully, if we're utilizing that energy correctly, we've explored our possibilities and we've made a choice about what what needs to stay and what needs to go. And then the sun's moving into this harmonious trine with Jupiter. Okay, like our we probably understand what we need to do to move forward. We understand what routines would probably bring us the most success. Um, keep in mind that Mercury being under the beams in Virgo is not the same type of detriment that Venus was when it was under the beams in Leo. And that is because Mercury being in its exaltation and domicile, being dignified, has a Hellenistic condition called being in the chariot. Ancient Hellenistic chariots had these awnings that were would protect them from the beams of the sun. So it's like Mercury is protected from the damage that could be done from getting too close to the sun. There is like the special moment of the Kazemi where that's like a special moment. D despite the planet, that could be a, a positive thing. But otherwise, as the planet is going under the beams, it's like a, a person taking to their sickbed. 
And when they're rising up, it's like the person rising from the sickbed. And the significations of that planet can be uh, inhibited for a period of time, but not necessarily so with Mercury in Virgo in particular. So keep in mind that Kazemi moment, you may be able to start making some changes that you normally would not have been making with another planet that wasn't as dignified. So that's something to consider. So this could be a really fortunate moment, like fortuitous moment, the sun trining Jupiter, where you're really feeling like your routines are, and the, the way that you've uh, encapsulated your dream or your essence into form is starting to pay dividends, okay? So I like this energy at the end of the week, September 8th. And you've got a nice Cancer moon, a really uh, fertile moon around this period also. Okay, the, the, bals the almost balsamic moon. So uh, again, probably a period of, of letting go and elimination, but it'll be joyful, right? I, I don't know about any of you, but if you have some Virgo placements, cleaning is probably one of your favorite activities. <laughs> and maybe not the cleaning of itself, but the feeling that you get after you've eliminated some clutter or some, or you fix something that was broken, that feeling is really good. And I have a feeling that this Sun-Jupiter trine is going to be the feeling of like, you've gotten rid of some stuff. You've fixed something that was broken and now you know the path forward. You have an efficient tool to move forward or an efficient routine to start to move forward. Okay, let's take a little break now as we prepare for the third decan of Virgo. I'm going to stretch my legs. I encourage you to do the same. We're just hanging out here. Take this opportunity to ask a favor of you. If you haven't already, please like the video. Please subscribe to the channel if you're new here. Welcome if you are. We kind of are a slow burn. We try to do things in depth, try to have a nice conversation with everyone and in the audience or in the chat here. I always love hearing your observations as well. Make sure you get yourself a snack or a glass of water or stay hydrated. Take this opportunity also, if you weren't here at the beginning, to share that my Deccan Walk is now available to, for registration. So we're going to go on a, a journey, 12-month journey, a 36-face faced journey, okay, that's going to teach us tarot significations, mythological associations, fixed stars, diamonds and spirits. We're going to learn about planets in these specific decans. We're going to learn about personal experiences in these decans. Um, it's really exciting. And you can find a link pinned to the beginning of the chat here, or you can find a link to that in my website in the description of this video. 12 months, 36 seconds, 36 face cards in the tarot. You can see here, I have them all separated out because I was doing some photography with this, but the, the numbered cards, the minor arcana, pretty exciting. We're going to be reading T. Susan Chang's 36 Secrets as a group as well during that period of time. If Austin Coppock's 36 Faces is out, we will be utilizing that as a text as well. If it isn't, then we will. I'll, I'll do my best to summarize, but um, 
we'll just have to wait. Um, let's see. What else? Dawn says, my Virgo midheaven loves to clean when I'm stressed out or upset. Yeah. I mean, it's, it can really be a enlivening activity. Um, sometimes our, our external environments are reflective of our inner reality. As above, so below. As within, so without. So cleaning your external environment can really, really help you bring some internal clarity as well. So if you're feeling like you're just completely banging your head against the wall with an issue or you feel overwhelmed, sometimes just cleaning a small space, just, just a drawer, just a surface, can really help you feel confident that uh, the confidence you need to get to work on some other area of your life. So highly recommend that. Um, the other thing I will say too is if you really want motivation, go watch an episode of Hoarders. <laughs> like, and that'll motivate you to clean up your space. Um, I, I also understand that many of the people on that show have some severe mental health challenges, and I, I have compassion for their situations. Um, but if you don't have an extreme case of something like that, uh, it can motivate you to be like, do I really want to have my house get into this state? And it's funny, those things creep up on you. Like one event in someone's life can, can shift a whole series of events that can lead you into something like that. Um, so again, I do have a lot of compassion for folks that are struggling with that type of thing. But if that is a problem that you have, there is resources out there. And um, if it's not like a debilitating thing for you, but it's just like a little annoyance, just start small. Start start with one little corner and get rid of that. And then that'll, that'll help you to uh, gain the confidence necessary to keep going. Monique says, I only have a part of fortune in Virgo, but my Mercury in the fourth likes a tidy home. Yeah, 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 I, I, I can relate to that. I, I, I would say that my tidiness comes and goes. <laughs> it depends on what type of project I'm working on. If I'm really engrossed in a project, I'm going to have books everywhere, as you can see, like just stacks of books around me. But in general, I, I feel like I function better in an organized space. I will say the other thing about Virgo energy is sometimes Virgo placements can be very organized in one area of their life and completely chaotic in another one. So like they may have a specific order about where things go that makes sense to them, but may not make sense to everyone else. <laughs> so consider that also. Uh, Don says, yeah, my husband refuses to see it. It freaks me out. We literally have to turn sideways to walk down the hall. Oh no, Don. Yeah. So that, that might be something to consider during this September season is trying to, to create um, apertures for, for energy and chi to flow. I think that's another thing too, is like, you know, when we are, when our space is cluttered up, it just blocks the flow of energy, literally the flow of walking through the house as well. Sarah says, been listening from the gym, like a true Aries son. You're awesome, Spencer. Thank you, Sarah. I appreciate you and hope you're having a good workout today. I'm getting strong. <laughs> all right friends so let's keep going i think we're doing pretty well today as far as our time management skills i'm going to bring up the decans of virgo once again and we're going to take a little look at virgo 3. virgo 3 is syncretized with the 10 of of pentacles and here you see a a, a figure who is surrounded by family and friends and animals and things of that nature, maybe reflecting upon a life well lived. And um, 
some of the themes of this card talk about thinking about how the wealth that you've acquired is going to be passed on to the next generation. So uh, passing on a legacy, heirlooms and wisdom are something we consider with this. Preservation and decay, that's important. Order versus entropy. Um, so things that are alive have cells that are ordered and that are organized and are held together by certain forces. As we age, as anything ages and decays, those molecules start to separate. They start to lose their, their order. Uh, they start to entropy. So there may be some things in our life that are starting to decay and entropy, and we may need to uh, come to terms with that. That is something that we, we see in Virgo 3, is coming to terms with something that's falling away in our life, but also something that we need to preserve. One of the greatest lessons of my experience thus far has been accepting some of the things that I could not change that had to pass out of my life in physical form. I have Mars and Saturn in this decan, so there's there's a lot of like lessons that come to me through this. One of which, you know, was the watching my mom go through her experience. For those of you who are new and haven't heard the story, my mom had a severe stroke a few years ago. And really, her condition deteriorated over the course of a couple years. And she passed away in 2022, April of 2022. And it was a very difficult experience watching her her body just not function the way that it, it normally could. And to be honest with you, her brain too. She's a, a very sharp, uh, witty uh, woman before her stroke. And, and she had her moments afterwards as well. Um, she was a Gemini son and, and was just a very snappy, quick wit. And just coming to terms with these bodies are going to decay. These bodies are going to um, pass on. But also, the lesson that her spirit was still strong, was still present, that her essence was still there, even when her body wasn't functioning the way that she wanted it to. And that's a huge, important lesson with Virgo 3. No matter what placements you have there, or whether you're just experiencing it along the, the journey of the sun that we are all experiencing during September 12th through September the 23rd, is coming to terms with things that, that are decaying. Now, some of you may make Herculean efforts to keep things together, to order things. This is one reason why we go to the gym. Right, so that we can keep our keep our bodies fit and tight, and we can delay some of the entropy. This is why we eat uh, well, so that we prevent some of the oxidization of our cells and and keep ourselves more functional for longer. Um, so this these are actions that we there are some negotiations we can make with this process, but eventually we will all return to the earth. Uh, so discarding old forms. Uh, coming to terms with the corruptibility of matter. These are themes that we're talking about. The end of a material process. You may be seeing the results of a project that you have been working long and hard on throughout the summer. This is the end of the summer as well, where we're seeing a shift from the summer uh, energy to the, to the fall. We're seeing a shift from the dominance of the daylight to the equality at the equinox and then the rise, excuse me, of the night. 
So questions to ask yourself. And, and thank you, Michelle, for the super sticker. I appreciate you and your support. And I, I see you every week and, and I really appreciate your generosity, my friend. Uh, so questions you can ask yourself during Virgo 3 season. What is worth preserving? What should be discarded? Okay, what should, but what should be preserved, right? Uh, how do we bring this process to a completion? There's going to be things where you're just like, that's good enough, it's done, let's go. <laughs> like, instead of continually refining something. You got to know when, when to let go, when, when enough is enough, okay? What legacy will you leave for future generations? Okay, there's, this is another secret signification that we don't always hear with Virgo, is that there is a drive in Virgo placements to, to leave something meaningful behind, whether it's a physical thing or whether it's a book or an idea or a legacy, that is a, a driving motivation for a lot of people who have Virgo placements. Um, how can I pass on essence when form fails? Ooh, that's, that's a juicy one right there right? And, and I think it's sometimes there's difficulty accepting our forms feeling. Venus is at its maximum degree of fall during this decade. Oftentimes, we see people that have uh, Virgo three placements with Venus here, doing everything in their power to delay the inevitable decay of their body. Sometimes even going to extremes like plastic surgery or like surgery that could reverse the aging process or something like that. I always tell this story. When Venus was in Virgo 3 a few years ago, I was starting to get a little anxious about my hairline receding. And I started mixing together this concoction that I found on the on the internet that included like sal palmetto turmeric and like, uh, I don't know, there's an oil involved in it. So it was an oil that was dyed with turmeric and sal palmetto. And you'd like rub it on your hair like every day and then you'd have to like wear this like cap so you wouldn't get like turmeric oil everywhere and it would stain your skin and your hands and everything and i did it for like a day or two and then i was like what am i doing this is not worth it <laughs> like whatever i'm doing here is i am going against the the natural order of things so in that moment i was like mm, okay venus is in virgo three i was trying to to hold something together, Venus, in a decan that, that really shows us what, what is most important to keep together and what isn't. So I had to come to terms with the fact like, oh, well, this, this, this maybe my hairline is temporal. <laughs> like, so, and as a Leo rising, that is, you know, that can be a little bit anxiety producing. But at the end of the day, it's just hair, you know. At the end of the day, you know, you, you have this body and, it, and accepting the changes that it's going through can be a beautiful thing rather than trying to resist it. This Western civilization is such an idealized version of youth and youth culture. And I think we really need to start appreciating every stage in life and appreciating the aging process more and aging gracefully. So, so um, yeah, and also the value of things, right? So, so what is really a value? In in the story I just told, the, what was really was it valuable enough for me to go through all the the pain and ridiculousness of staining everything with turmeric? No, it wasn't. It wasn't like and just coming to terms with that said a lot about 
what my actual values were. So think about this at the third decan of Virgos. What do you really value? Michelle says, as a Virgo sun and Capricorn rising, I'm so attuned to my body's needs. I wish I could be bad with eating sometimes, but my body punishes me. Yeah, I hear that, Michelle. I, I am similar. I have a Taurus moon uh, and I love to eat. I love food. I, I, I'm partnered up with an amazing chef who is an amazing cook who cooks really rich food. <laughs> but my body is starting to be like, I can't eat that anymore. I can't eat this particular type of food. I can't really eat gluten or sugar it really messes with me too. So those two things, my body just does not allow me to do. And it sounds like you have a sensitivity to certain things also. Um, and, and that's where, you know, we have to have a cost benefit analysis when it comes to that. I think that if you really, really love something and you're willing to, to go through a little bit of the discomfort, if you eat a small portion of it, that's, that's okay. Like I, I still sort of like some dairy-free ice cream every once in a while. Like I don't do dairy very well either, but I have this like oat milk ice cream, right? Uh, Oatly, it's delicious. And I will eat a spoonful of it, <laughs> like literally a spoonful, like a, like a teaspoon of it because I can eat that much without it making me feel bad because it does, even though it doesn't have dairy in it, it has a fair amount of sugar. So I feel the sugar part of it just as much as I do something else. And I don't really do sugar replacement stuff like stevia and stuff like that. That stuff doesn't make my body feel good either. Um, but there are some times where I'm like, you know what? I need to be at my complete best tomorrow. And I know that I can't eat this thing today, right? So there will be times where I make decisions where I say, you know what? I want to feel really good tomorrow. I have to make a good choice today. There'll be other days where I'm like, I don't have shit to do tomorrow. I can cheat a little bit and that's okay, right? So moderation, I think, is the key with this. If you have a severe allergy or if you, you just feel crap all the time when you eat something, it's okay to let it go. You'll, your palate will change. Um, I take a lot of joy. I'll say this is the thing. I don't. I can't eat things that have added sugar in them really anymore. Um, but I love strawberries. I love eating a strawberry now. Now the reward of eating a strawberry at the end of a meal is like, wow, this is a this is a special treat. You know, this is amazing. Or a peach. You know, like you'd be amazed at the way your palate changes. It's like, whoa, this is incredible. You know, so um, little things like that can make a difference once you've made the shift. Okay, let's stop the share here. Uh, Don says, I keep trying with steak and potato, but the migraines just aren't worth it anymore. But if I were in my last meal, I'd eat the entire side of beef. Yeah, see, Don, I mean, it's all, again, cost-benefit analysis. I, I've been trying to reduce my red meat intake as well. I've, I've gone through all sorts of different dietary paths. I've been vegetarian, I've been vegan, I've been pescatarian, I've tried all the different things. Um... I've been at adding some more fish into my diet and less red meat. Uh, I try to ethically source the, the meats that, that I eat. Um, my partner works at a farmer's market, so we're literally getting, you know, meat from organically raised animals. Um, and I know everyone has different opinions on that, so I don't, I'm not trying to alienate anybody with a dietary conversation. But the point being is that it's okay to make changes if your body is telling you that it's time to make changes and your palate will change. Um, 
I'm really enjoying eating hard boiled eggs for lunch now. Uh, I, I changed from fried, a fried egg to hard boiled egg and my body's like, yeah, I like this. This is good. Let's do that. Uh, so little, di little changes make all the difference. And of course you've seen me with my, got all sorts of nuts here. These macadamia nuts and almonds and things like that. But anyway, I digress. It's okay to enjoy yourself every once in a while, but if it makes you feel bad, pay attention to that and try to, to time it right or utilize the portion in moderation that'll make you feel good. Okay. We got one more deck in to go. Two more, actually. We didn't really get to the, sorry, I'm jumping ahead. So I've described the energy of Virgo 3. Now let's look at the aspects that we may be going through during this solar period through the third decan of Virgo. Keeping in mind the canvas that all of this is painted on that I just described with all the challenges of Virgo 3. So Virgo 3 starts on September the 14th. So really leading up to that, like from the 8th to the 14th, we don't actually have a lot of non-lunar aspects going on and we're going through a balsamic moon. So this is really a, a time to let go the 8th through the 14th, like just to, to take it easy. Don't push yourself too hard around this period of time. You're going to have an opposition to Saturn that's going to happen and a conjunction to Mercury before the new moon. But on the 14th, we have the new moon in the third decan of Virgo. So here is the new moon, the exact moment of it at 21 degrees of Virgo. The very late degrees of 21 degrees, this is exactly on my natal Saturn, this should be fun. Um, and it's very close to a fixed star called Denebola. Uh, Denebola, I, I find Denebola is like a, a maverick on some level. It's sort of a, you're kind of doing things outside of the norms of regular society on some level. Um, it's also fairly close to a fixed star called Alkis at 23 degrees of Virgo. So it's applying to that. Alkis was the, the cup of, uh, the, in, in, in the constellation Crater or the cup of Apollo that was filled with some kind of ambrosia or, or uh, some kind of legacy to be passed on to the next generation. So we may be feeling like we're doing something somewhat outside the box around this new moon. Okay, outside of the norms of society, Denebola is a fixed star. I believe it's in the, the hind quarters of the lion of Leo, right? Because of precession, we have the, st the fixed stars in the zodiacal degrees of Virgo overlaid of the constellation Leo. Um, and Alkis is, is, an, is an extra constellation, extra zodiacal constellation, okay? On the, it's the cup and the crater is related to Hydra, the snake. It's, it's on the snake and it's related to Corvus, the crow. Those three constellations are, have a story that goes together. One is the distraction that might happen um, on 13 degrees of Libra, which is Algarab, the, the crow getting distracted from filling the sacred cup uh, that Apollo told him to fill. And he was distracted by earthly delights. So that may be coming with Mars getting closer to that particular energy. Um, we do have a powerful Mercury hosting this, this new moon. Um, so this is Mercury that is about to station direct the next day, very close to the fixed star Thuban, which was the, the hoarding dragon guarding the apples in the garden of life or the garden of immortality around the pole. 
there is a certain set of constellations around the pole that just that do not rise or set each night. They just appear, okay, when it gets dark. So they would consider those places of immortality. So I may be reconsidering how tightly we're holding on to things or like how we pass on our information or our, our generosity to others around this period of time. Mars is pretty close to a fixed star called Vindemiatrix in Libra, which was, is not a, a fun fixed star. It's, it was called the Widowmaker. There's a story about a, a youth, Ampelos, who was a consort or a lover of Dionysus and who climbed a great grapevine of Dionysus and fell from, from a great height and died. So, so there's some associations with losing something that was important to us potentially with Mars here. Um, you know, I, I, I don't, I, that's not something to think about like, oh, that's scary or something like that. But there may be some kind of agreement that we have come to that we have to reevaluate a relationship that we might be reevaluating. The second decan of Libra is related to oaths and contracts. So there may be a broken agreement around this t period of time that you may want to uh, consider preparing for or putting things in place to protect against something like that. Um, Saturn is in oppos a wide opposition to the new moon by whole sign, okay, but it's not it's not applying very closely to the to the lunation itself, but it is still uh, opposing by by whole sign. So there may be some reconsiderations that we have to make, trying to get in touch with our why versus our how. The how may have to sh shift a little bit. Uh, Neptune is opposing this as well, so we may be trying to bring something into form to pass on to the next the next generation, but Neptune in the third decan of Pisces may be dissolving that <laughs> Neptune has a dissolving energy which can be frustrating we do have a pretty close trine to Uranus in this new moon also so you could see that it's applying to 21 degrees Virgo is applying to 22 degrees Taurus so to me that we may have to think outside the box like this is this is also sort of echoed in the fixed star Denebola, like doing something that's not necessarily in the norm. There may be some things where we, to, to be able to pass on that legacy and bring something to a material conclusion, we might have to examine the way we did something in the past and, and rework something and do something differently. Okay, we might have that moment of realizing that we have to do something different because Mercury is going to be stationing direct okay like uh, and also emerging as a morning star okay so if we look at this moon so so one of the things i want to have you aware of is i will show you i always want you to start looking if you if you like hellenistic astrology just start looking at the first aspect that the moon's going to make after a new or a full moon in this case we're going to see the moon applying to that Mars energy that I was telling you about, okay? Um, but Mars will have since moved over, okay, here to 13 degrees of Libra, which is much closer to the fixed star Algarab than it is to Vindemiatrix. So to me, what that means is that 
we are going to have to learn to eliminate distractions. If you have Mars on Algarab, remember that was the crow, Corvus the crow. This, this is a, a star that's in the constellation Corvus the crow that was distracted by the earthly delights from, from his sacred task and assignment that he was given. So you, this new moon could be about, hey, you may have to eliminate some distractions so that you can achieve the goal that you're trying to achieve. Okay, so that you can really focus on what's important and what it, what your what your energy is really should be put towards. Okay, so this this could be a powerful new moon to 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 eliminate distractions. I would also encourage you to be honest around this period of time. Cor Corvus, after failing to fill the sacred cup of Apollo, lied to Apollo and blamed his failure on Hydra, the snake, the sea serpent, instead of taking responsibility for his failure. So I would also encourage you to keep things above board. If you, if you do make a mistake, if you do fall short of the glory, which we all do, it's, you are creating less of a problem by being honest about it and atoning for that mistake rather than digging the hole even deeper, which eventually the truth will be found out. You know, if, you, if you've read 36 faces, you'll, you'll understand that there is, truth was called Aletheia, and Aletheia had could run on legs that were fully formed, but its its mate pseudo logos or falsehood or lies didn't have feet. It was fired in the kiln of Prometheus without feet. And falsehoods they they may start off, but they can't they can't finish the marathon. Right? You may get away with the lie for a period of time, but then eventually you'll be found out, and and the repercussions might be worse rather than if you had owned up to it right away. So, so that's something to consider as we see the first aspect being the moon conjoining Mars, conjoining Algarab. Now, but before that happens, Mercury is turning direct. So this is another moment of phosis where, you know, this is, this is something where you're probably understanding the skills that you're going to need to move forward. You're probably getting clear about, you know, how you let things flow through you rather than holding on too tightly to something potentially the the downside of thubin is holding on to hoarding like we were talking about hoarders earlier like hoarding too many things so this could be the moment where you're just like no i just need to let go okay i need to be honest about it i need to let go of really i need to let go of some distractions okay this could be that moment i'm just thinking about this i'm like oh well maybe i'll need to put yahoo fantasy away and start reading my books instead oh the struggle is real friends you know even us uh dedicated students have distractions in our lives that we are wrestling against sometimes but if you if you want to keep doing a good job you're going to have to manage your time properly i think that we all have things that can interfere with the quality of our work and it's a great gift to be aware of what those things are, because then you will have at least have the ability to to make those changes in the moment. And I would encourage all of you to recognize when you're falling prey to the trap of distraction and, and cut it off in the beginning rather than allowing it to go on too further or to become in denial of it, if that makes sense. Okay. Let's keep going. So that's the 15th through the 16th. Now, the 15th also is going to be a trine between the sun and 
and Uranus. And it's sort of baked into the, the new moon, but it's going to become exact on the 15th, uh, the same day that Mercury goes direct. So again, to be able to bring a material process to completion, you may have to uh, change your methods. You may have to evaluate whether something was working, and if something wasn't working, eliminating it and get rid of it. Think outside the box. Let yourself be changed by that awareness. Okay, we get to the 17th. We're going to see the completion of another square between Venus and Jupiter. Venus and Jupiter have been kind of squaring off with one another with their retrograde and direct motions for quite some time. So again, this might be another moment where you are you're grappling with too much of a good thing. Okay, like oftentimes when the benefics are in like a, a hard aspect with one another, um, we, we're having to learn when to say when. So this could be another moment where you're trying to figure out, okay, like I've, I've, I've had enough, right? I've had enough ice cream for the day. I've had enough, um, I've had enough fancy football for the day. <laughs> I'm gonna keep harping on this. Sorry, friends, if you're not into football, but it's on my mind. If you couldn't tell, uh, mostly because I'm nervous about getting distracted by it. But this is where you have to trust yourself, no matter what it is that is you can see on the horizon that could be a distraction. I know for a lot of you parents out there, school is going to be starting. And like the, the distraction of having to get your kids from point A to point B, that, that is real. I, I've been through that as a parent. Um, and sometimes those things take priority over like even studying astrology, right? Or like doing the other things that we find pleasurable in our spare time. So, so th there may be responsibilities that we have that we have to stay aware of. Now, Venus in the second decan of Leo is related to a desire to feel acknowledged for the things that we are doing. So, so Venus attracts, it, it, it brings us good fortune. Um, it is also the way that we attract things and the things we may be attracted to. The second decan of Leo is related to the Six of Wands card where you see a figure returning triumphantly from battle and being honored for the work that they have done. So we may be feeling a need and a desire to be honored for the work that we've done. And again, this Venus is going to be the host of Mars and the moon of that first aspect that we talked about. Venus is also going to be hosting Jupiter. So, so Venus is doing double duty here, right? Hosting this Mars here and Jupiter, okay? But all, albeit two, two different signs. Um, so we may be feeling a desire to be acknowledged for our generosity, Okay, with, with Jupiter moving through the second decan of Taurus. Or maybe feeling a need to be acknowledged for, I don't know, our commitment or for not breaking a commitment or something of that nature. Uh, or we may have a, a commitment that is broken that, that causes us to feel like, oh, we're not being appreciated for our generosity or something of that nature. I'm just kind of going through the thought process that an astrologer would go through to, to connect the signs and the symbols with a lived reality. And your mileage may vary with that type of thing. So that's September the 17th with the Venus-Jupiter square. Just be careful that you can have too much of a good thing that could lead to a breaking of a commitment. So if you know that in advance, you'll know when to say when. We get to the 19th. 
And throughout this whole period I just described, the Sun will now be applying to an opposition to Neptune. So here's the perfection of that, the exact opposition with the Sun-Neptune opposition. Now, for those of you who are regular viewers of this channel, you'll understand that my relationship with Neptune is uh, spotty at <laughs> best. It's not my favorite planet, mostly because over the past few, I don't know, decades now, it's been opposing my Virgo stellium. And anytime that it's activated by transit, my experience, my personal subjective of experience of it is fatigue. Uh, to me, Neptune is a planet that is a dissolver of boundaries between you and it could be the divine of spirit. Robert Schmidt considered Neptune as a transcendental moon of like universal substance, whereas uh, Uranus was a transcendental sun and Pluto a transcendental Mercury. So if, if you go from that line of thinking, and people have different opinions about this, but if you think about Neptune as, as maybe an octave or, trend, or a more spiritualized moon or something like that, I don't know what, if the, what the right word to describe it would be. You're dealing with undifferentiated substance, the one, uh, the one thing, right? In, in, in alchemical circles or platonic circles, you have the one mind and the one thing. And I would consider maybe Uranus the one mind and Pluto or Neptune the one thing, the, the, the matter of creation, right? The, the substance of what eventually becomes form. So when you have Pluto touching something, you're literally like returning it to the one thing, if that makes sense. You're, you're releasing the animated spirit within it and returning it to like the black hole of, of unified substance, which can be like a very daunting and haunting process and can make us feel tired and can make us feel like we're just melting into a puddle. Um, other people have like spiritual transcendent experiences with this. Like, I think that the, the benefit of Neptune in that line of thinking is that maybe you're not thinking anymore. It's the lack of thinking. It's the lack of ego. It's the lack of awareness that, that where you could feel just relaxed into the, into the void and into the nothingness. Now, the challenge here is that the sun in the third decan of Virgo does not want to go quietly into the void. It does not want to go into undifferentiated mass of nothingness. It is really concerned with like, you know, bringing things into a, concretized form and preserving things against that disintegration. So when you have the Sun in Virgo opposing Neptune in Pisces of all signs, you're going to have this pull, push and pull of like trying to keep things together and Neptune saying, I want to dissolve this really bad. Okay, so there's, there, you may have a, a real struggle with the, the need to keep things together and the confusion that can come when we just can't when things are returned to undifferentiated substance, okay? So what, what do we do with that? Well, try not to push yourself too hard around this period of time. Try not to get too attached to the, the details or the form of something because 
Neptune is probably going to throw some, some, you know, dissolving puddles in your path around this period of time. And that's okay. It happens. We deal with it. And I would also say that it's probably important to uh, be very careful of anything that could bring you a toxic feeling as well. Like one of the other, I think, pretty solid significations of Neptune, in my opinion, is that we look at the, the, the charts and time periods of when these outer planets were discovered. And when Neptune was discovered, there was a lot going on with anesthesia, like, like the thing that puts you to sleep and puts you in a different altered state of consciousness. But some of those things can be toxic as well. So be careful about substances around this period of time that could alter your state of consciousness because it could lead you down a path that could be difficult uh, potentially. Especially friends. Jeez, this is why we look at the entire chart. Got the moon and Scorpio throughout, throughout pretty much the whole application of the sun to Neptune. So <laughs> the moon is in its exile. The moon is in a place where we're our bodies are not probably not feeling at their best around this period of time. So just be careful about what you put into your body and how push how hard you push yourself around this period of time because we we might feel like we just have to get this thing done. We have to bring this into material form and that could lead us down a path of uh not feeling so great. Okay. Let's see here. Let's see here. Let's see. How are we doing? Everyone doing okay out there? Let's return to the chart here. As we get to the 20th, after the moon in Scorpio, the moon is out of bounds. So again, this could be the consequences of our actions. Maybe we don't didn't have the type of discipline that we needed to, to only have one scoop of ice cream rather than the whole pint. And then the moon out of bounds could help have us feeling pretty bad potentially. Um, moon's going to be applying to a square to Saturn where we're reaping the consequences of our actions potentially. Now, you can avoid all that with a little bit of mental discipline, I think, um, and accountability. So to be forewarned is to be, to be armed with knowledge can help us change the circumstances potentially. The other thing that's going to be important around this period of time is that the sun's going to be making a trine to Pluto. So again, the realization of our limitations, maybe even the limitations of our minds and our material processes may bring up some pretty intense feelings. It may dredge up some things from the depths. Pluto is a planet that likes to transmute things. Like if we use Schmidt's analogy of a supercharged Mercury, and I know that other people think about it as a transcendental Venus, and there's good arguments that could be made for that. I know Sam Reynolds talks about that a little bit, and I like Venus and Pluto's uh, shared energy of catharsis, but I also think that Mercury is a planet of change. Mercury is a, a planet of achemical change, and I think that Pluto takes that to like a, a nuclear level, right? We had the, the, the discovery of the atomic bomb during this period of uh, when Pluto was discovered, uh, we got big explosions from tiny little atoms 
And I also heard another astrologer describe Pluto as it makes small things big and it makes big things small. Um, so in traditional Greek mythology, Pluto was associated with Hades, which is related to the underworld uh, and things erupting into the underworld or things that have been hidden that need to be dealt with. So to me, whenever I see a Pluto transit, there's probably, especially with the sun, the sun, sun is the light of awareness, it is the light of the mind, it is clarity. So we're probably going to get clear on something that we've repressed that has to do with a material process. It has to do with sometimes a bureaucratic process with Pluto in the third decade of Capricorn. So we may have to pay attention to the details of a bureaucratic process we're involved in around this period of time. Okay. Let's keep going. As we get to the 22nd, we are going to be experiencing a first quarter moon. So I'm going to back up a few hours here because it's in the final degrees of Sagittarius. So here is the, the last, the first quarter moon, excuse me. So here is the moon at 29 degrees of Sagittarius, squaring the sun at 29 degrees Virgo. So final degrees of a sign for each of these, but the, the perfection of the square will give us insight into the energy we're experiencing. So the sun is bringing us an awareness of, of order and entropy, of the legacy that we want to pass on, and maybe some things that need to be returned to the earth. The moon in Sagittarius 3, this is a solar decan. I'm sorry, sorry, a, a Saturnian decan is what I meant to say. Con it is syncretized with the Ten of Wands, where you see a figure that is carrying a heavy burden to the finish line. And in this case, the finish line is the winter solstice. Not literally, but in the, the time period related to Sagittarius season, the last decan of Sagittarius is the last decan before the winter solstice and the shift to Capricorn. So we're carrying the light of the, of the solar year to the finish line. And you can, you can compare it to a barn eager horse. That's a, a term I really like where you, you have the, the energy that it takes to just, you see the, the, your home in the distance and you've been on this long journey and you've got to do what you get that little burst of energy at the end. And, your, your body is completely exhausted. Your muscles are filled with lactic acid and starting to atrophy and you're just tired, but you know that if you just put another push in, you'll be able to rest. So I feel like this energy is here with this first quarter moon. You know that you're getting to a end of a material process. You've probably identified some of the flaws in the system and now you have to make that final push to get to the fall equinox i know in my case this is going to be the last week before uh my decan walk starts and i'm sure that there will be some bureaucratic challenges like a lot of people they wait till the end to sign up and that's okay i understand that impetus um but I, I'm just imagining all the like details that I may have to take care of as we begin and prepare to go on this long journey together to get to the finish line of the beginning 
Like there's every beginning is an end. Every every ending is a beginning, right? In the circular way of thinking, in the seasonal way of thinking. So you may have an ending that you're trying to get to at the end of September, okay, or at the end of Virgo season, and you may have to to make a very uh, your body may be pushed to its limit trying to get to that end of that material process. Okay, so that's the first quarter moon. Excuse me. Okay, let's keep moving. And finally, that gets us to the 23rd where we have the fall equinox. So I'm going to stop the share. We're going to take a break and we're going to talk Libra for a second after that. Okay. How's everyone doing out there? You still with me? Hanging with me today? It's been a weird Venus retrograde for the channel. I have Venus in my first house ruling my my midheaven. And we had some attrition on the channel in the past few weeks. And I hope that those of you who are still here are still enjoying the work that we're doing. And I'm sorry if it wasn't for you. If if you aren't here anymore, you won't hear this, obviously. But uh, I'm doing my best. And I realize that my viewpoints and subjective view of the world is not necessarily for everyone, but I do appreciate the, those of you who are here and that have stuck it out over the long haul. If you like a slow burn to your astrology, this is the channel for you. We take it easy here, Taurus Moon style. We uh, have snacks. We have stretches. We try to support one another. We'll hear our joints cracking here and there. <laughs> We talk sports, we talk life, we talk music, something for everyone, I hope. But uh, yeah, if you're new, welcome. And I love that you found the channel and I would love for you to be a part of our community. Don't be shy. Uh, try to tell me how life's going in, uh, in your life and in your experience. Don't be shy. I put something in the chat if you're new here or if you're hanging back. It's always nice to see friends here and to, to hear how things are going. Monique says, I'm on the TV in your house. <laughs> Good. Well, I hope that the, the White family is doing well. Uh, you know, Monique and, uh, and Ryan and Lindsay and Brody, you know, I hope that you're having a good Friday out there in sunny California and uh, that life's treating you well, my friends. You are all my famous friends on the West Coast, <laughs> and I'm on your television talking to you directly. And isn't that meta? <laughs> Is that freaking you out at all? It would freak me out. Um, no, we're just having fun. Mortal and Wild is here. Carol is here. Just got here. Congrats on your rebirth, Butterfly Monarch Day. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, it's super cool. I, I'm the story of the monarch has been very much a journey that I've been going through of my own self-worth and value with uh, the Venus retrograde, being in my first house, ruling my midheaven. Um, there's been a lot of challenges to go through to, to offer a bigger offering like this and all the things that come with it, all of the, the questions of self-worth and the value of your own work and things of that nature. And um, the, the, the caterpillar has really been instructive that it's, it's one day at a time. You keep you keep eating. You keep eating the, the the leaves, and eventually you go through a transformation. Some parts 
are, are going to transform. Some, some things aren't going to work. I had one caterpillar that didn't make it, and that was very sad. But there are going to be some parts of you that you have to discard along the way, and that's just natural. And I really appreciate all the support that all of you have been giving me on this journey and uh, trying to... I'm trying to rise to the challenge of new responsibilities, and I appreciate the support. And Julie, Julian, thank you so much for the super sticker. Appreciate you, friend. And go Cardinals. Hope, hope that you're getting ready for your your uh, football season there, friend, too. Um, yeah, but today, it, it was so beautiful to see that little butterfly hatch. And right now it's on the porch, getting some sun, getting ready to be released. I think after I'm done here on the broadcast, I'm going to go release that beautiful butterfly out into the world. And um, it was so awesome that uh, the first caterpillar transformed, um, or one of them did on on Venus Kazemi, and I had one of my first signups today as the butterfly was uh, emerging from the cocoon for the Deccan walk. So it, it's just a really amazing science that you get from nature when you entrain yourself to it and tune into it if you if you're paying attention. So I hope that you're getting those messages yourself out there. Uh, Mindful Indulgences is here. It says, first time checking out live. Nice to see you, friend. Uh, hope that you're doing well and welcome to the chat. And I'm glad that you're here with us. I like that name, Mindful Indulgences. Yeah, I love it. Uh, Julie says, Spencer, listening throughout the gym. Uh, errands and cleaning, always good take to take in your work. Well, Julie, I'm, again, thanks for the super sticker, friend, and uh, excited about talking football with you. Maybe we'll I think Julene was on in a league with with me at, at one point last year, and maybe we'll get to share that experience again, friend. And hope that you're doing okay down there in in Arizona, uh, staying staying hydrated and whatnot, and staying cool and all of those things. And hope your grandson is doing good with his uh, football camp. Uh, Michelle says, "Those that aren't for us will leave, and those who stay are your real peeps." I love that, Michelle. You know, it's so true, and this is one of the things that all of us might be going through with Venus retrograding through Leo is that you, we, we aren't for everyone right? and that's okay. Like, and that, that which remains is a real true expression of who and what you are. Like the the real people that stick with you through like these Venus retrograde periods, those are your real supporters and the parts of you that, that remain after the purging that goes with the Venus going through the heart of the sun, your real true desires that last through that cycle, those are the things that can bring extra meaning into your life. And the other things, they just weren't for you. We can't pursue every path. We can't pursue every relationship. And that's okay. And that's a huge, huge lesson for like Leo parts of yourself, Leo parts of your chart, Leo people in your life is that, you know, you're not going to be able to make everyone happy all the time. And that's okay. Um, mindful indulgences. Saw the butterfly on IG. Glad you're chatting about it. Yeah, I, I posted a video of the butterfly, like just after it emerged. That particular butterfly, who I call Marsha, Marsha Brady, because it was the oldest of three. Um, that particular butterfly changed to a cocoon, in, into a cocoon. Actually, no, you know, that one was the one that I got a message from from the tarot. It was it was having some struggle. It tried to attach itself to a leaf, and then it 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 got detached and it fell to the bottom of the habitat. And I asked tarot how I could help, and I got the the hermit um, 
so you could, the hermit has the light that it's hanging from its hand. So I was like, oh shit, I have to hang it up. So I tied it to uh, a stick from its little, um, little, I don't know what the thing that's called. I know there's a scientific name for it, but it's just a little stick that comes off the chrysalis and it made it, you know, it made it, which is really exciting. And, uh, it, it, it did emerge from its cocoon while I was eating breakfast and I, I didn't get to see it crack open, but I saw the first moments after it emerged and posted a video of those moments on my Instagram and a few pictures. And I think this afternoon after we are done here, I'll release it out into the garden, which will be a really, really fun moment. Uh, Julian says, football, go Cardinals, something to look forward to. Yeah. Yeah. This is something without getting too far into this because we want to keep moving here, but it's okay to have little things that, that uh, bring you joy. You know, maybe they're not like, in the grand scheme of things, maybe they're not super meaningful about things, but there's having little things we look forward to, like football or, or whatever it is for you, right? I know not everyone's a sports person here, and that's totally fine. I, I get it. Like, I, I have some mixed feelings about the ethics around sports. I just, it's, it's hard for me to let go of football because it's, it's just so darn entertaining. Um, but whatever it is for you. It's okay to allow yourself a little bit of that within reason, right? Uh, Julene is talking about her grandson, says he's hanging in there. He's a Virgo rising Taurus sun, bit of a struggle for him. Yeah, I bet with, uh, with the uh, Jupiter retrograde over his sun coming and, and Mercury about to retrograde. Um, and with Saturn in the seventh house for him, there's probably a lot going on for sure. But yeah, hope he hangs in there and tell him to stay hydrated. Okay, friends, let's keep going. Let's finish this up by taking a look at the Decans of Libra webinar. That, of course, will be included in the cost of the Decan walk if you want to sign up for that. But I will show you some of it today. You can also purchase these Decan webinars separately if you don't want to commit to the whole Decan walk on my website. The Decans of Leo and Virgo are on sale right now for 20% off. Okay, so here's the story of Libra. We're seeing uh, the two, three, and four of swords. Here's our turning point. This is the turning point in the year where the, the, the solar light and the lunar night are equal in length. And we're starting to shift from the dominance of the sun to a Saturnian darkness, right? I know I said lunar light, but I would, I would say that it's more about darkness than light. Um, and Saturn is, of course, exalted in Libra, where we have the, the turn to the darker part of the year. So this first decan, we see a, th a threshold guardian, right? Some people would compare it to Mott, uh, the, the, the guardian to the entrance of the underworld. In the Thema Mundi, the, the, the natal chart of the world, the philosophical teaching tool in Hellenistic astrology, Libra is on the fourth house cusp. So this is our one of our entry points to the, to the underworld, so to speak. Um, so we are dealing with a decan with Libra one, okay? That is called Lord of Peace or the Lord of Peace Restored. Austin Coppock calls it a blindfold and a sword. There's a spirit in this decan called the Uranese which I think is important. The Uranese were these uh, these monsters or these, 
I guess even deities, you could call them, that, that people prayed to, to punish people who got away with transgressions. So if like, if the law didn't catch a criminal, people would pray to the urinies to like, I need justice. And so there's this like righteous indignation that comes with the urinies in Libra one. So a lot of it, when the sun's moving through this decade, we may feel this righteous indignation about an awareness of an imbalance where we're like, I'm getting really frustrated with this and anger about something. We also may have an awareness of, of an other, right? Of others as well. It's a cardinal air sign. It's the beginning of a thought process as well. It's the beginning of a maybe a more mindful type of experience where we're starting to get out of our own solar ex like subjective experience and more into like a Saturnian objective experience. So themes could include during this period of time, which will range from September 23rd all the way up to October 3rd, awareness of the other, righteous indignation, fighting for the underdog. A lot of people with planets in this uh, deck in are really someone who will go to bat for people who have been oppressed. Uh, social justice, exposure of inequality, sounding the alarm and whistleblowing. Sometimes we have to have an awareness of an imbalance before we can fix it. So questions you can ask yourself during this period of time. What is fair? I've had, I can't tell you the number of clients with placements in this deck. And, and I always ask them, do you have siblings? And oftentimes they're like, yes. And I'm like, were you the sibling that was really aware of, of how fair things were? And they're like, yes, I was always howling about how unfair this was. And I was like, okay, well, this is probably part of this, this decanic experience, right? Uh, so understanding what is fair and what isn't. Has there been an ethical breach? Sometimes we, have, we, we talk about ethics in Libra in particular, the, the swords of justice. Uh, what is disturbing our harmony? What laws will help foster unity? Like the beginning of a social agreement is, is happening in, in Libra, where we, to be able to have a functioning society, we have to be able to agree upon our expectations for our behavior with one another. And that leads to a law. Uh, what darkness has been exposed, okay? Because the rise of darkness will be coming during this period of time. And then also, what is not me? We, we have an awareness of what is you during this period of time, like what, what your needs are, what your subjective experience is. And then when we get to Libra 1, sometimes we have this experience of like, oh, this is not me, right? Sorry, there's a... There's your daily ambulance slash uh, <laughs> fire truck that goes by on this route here. Um, when we get to Libra One, we may have an awareness of like, oh, is this someone else's needs. And, and at first we may be like, wow, that's not, that's not fair <laughs> or that that's not me. And that feels awkward because when we become aware of someone else's needs, it can destabilize us. Libras and Libra placements are not always perfectly balanced. Sometimes the, the hard work that they're doing is correcting an imbalance. So when we start off this Libra one, we may be like, oh, wow, this is an imbalanced situation. Now we have the hard work ahead of us to bring it back into harmony. Monique says, my brother and sister-in-law have sons in Libra one. And yes, fairness is a huge theme with both of them. Absolutely. Now, I will say this. I do also counsel some of my Libra clients that not every relationship 
or stage of a relationship or part of a relationship is going to be 50-50 right down the middle all the time. Sometimes in uh, healthy relationships, one person is carrying more of a load for the other. And sometimes those roles shift. Sometimes there are agreements that are made between partners where one person is more of a financial provider and one person takes care of like domestic responsibility and they're, they're not always divided equally. Um, I, th I think that's important to consider during Libra season two is that, uh, and that's just one example. You could, you could also apply that to all sorts of different parts of a relationship. So, so how do we figure out how not just 50-50 equals one, but where do we need to be 60-40? Where do we need to be 70-30? Where, where do we need to, if someone's really struggling, where do we be, need to be the 90% to, to be the balance point for them at 10%? Okay, this is, there's the relationship counselors that talks about this. Like if your emotional uh, reserve is at a 10%, and sometimes your partner can be that filling in the 90% for you. And then when you're at, at, at 10% or w when your partner's at 10%, you got to be that 90 to fill it in. And it changes. So oftentimes relationships fail because they feel like everything has to be split equally, exactly right down the middle all the time. And for some people that works. But I will say that it, it's changeable. It's mutable. Okay. All right. So let's bring up our chart once again. Okay. Yeah, the thing with the Uranus and a lot of people with first second Libras is they, oftentimes they will feel that they have to be the arbitrators of justice, that they have to be the punishers of, of an in, inequality or an injustice. So sometimes they're actually really angry, <laughs> you know, like oftentimes we think of Libra as, oh, peaceful, Venus ruled. But in this decade, there's a, there can be a lot of anger that comes up uh, if someone feels like there's something that isn't fair. And I often will counsel people with placements in this decade and be like, do you always have to be the, 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 I don't know, the, the, Batman, I guess I would say, like, do you always have to be like the, 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 the unseen, like, justice person that is punishing the people that are doing wrong? Um, yeah, because Batman's a good analogy for this second, I think, is because oftentimes Batman is, is punishing people who have gotten away with something from the regular law. Not to say that Batman didn't have some good qualities, but it, it can be really exhausting to, to always feel like you're having to to be the, the long arm of the law in every situation, especially situations that, that um, maybe you didn't create or that, I don't know. You have to reserve your energy, I think, especially if you have the sun in this decade because the sun is in its fall. All right, so what are we gonna be dealing with around this period of time? Well, whenever we have a sign change for the sun, we always have to look at who the new host is. We have gone from a Mercury-ruled Virgo sun with Mercury in its exaltation and its domicile, like a really powerful solar time with Mercury in, in the same sign, to one ruled by Venus in Leo. So this, a lot of the themes of fairness that we may be experiencing could be, a lot of it could be related to whether we are being acknowledged for the work that we are doing or not, okay? 
So this could be part of the things where we're feeling it's not fair. This, this person gets all the, the acclaim or all the fame and I'm just sitting here doing whatever and I'm working just as hard or blah, blah, blah. Like, so <laughs> this could be part of the, the challenge because we're, we're having a Venus that is desiring acknowledgement, that is a, a desire, desirous of authenticity. So we could feel like we're desiring to be in our authentic expression within relationships as well. And if you feel like you're not getting an authentic representation from your partner, that could be a cause of conflicts as well. Monique is asking, Saturn doesn't retrograde back into Aquarius, right? It stations direct at zero degrees Pisces. That is correct, Monique. Saturn will station direct at zero degrees Pisces on November 4th. So keep that on your radar. Okay, so the good news is, is that Venus is going to be direct. Venus is also making a harmonious sextile to the sun in Libra. So that's positive. The challenge when the sun moves into Libra is that it's going to be co-present with Mars. So this is, this is where we may want to be able to bring harmony, but Mars is hanging out and says, eh, there's going to be some challenges, especially with the Mars moving through the second decan of Libra. We may have some commitments or contracts or obligations that either we fail to honor or that people fail to honor to us, and that could create some challenges. So be aware of that, that like Mars in the second decan of Lib Libra often can mean broken contracts. So keep that in mind as we move forward. And consider that that's going to be happening and very deeply consider all of your commitments before we get to this period of time. Mars is not in Libra yet. So consider whether you'll be able to, to follow through on your agreements as well if, you've, if you're coming into a contractual agreement in some area of your life. Okay. So the 25th is when we see our first non-lunar aspect, okay? So here's the 25th, and here is our second trine between Jupiter and Mercury. So this time, Jupiter's retrograde and Mercury is direct, whereas it was reversed before, where Mercury uh, was retrograde, and Jupiter was stationing, and but was still direct. It was stationing retrograde, but still direct. Okay, so a repetition of some of the themes that came up on the 4th of September. Again, we talked about really managing our time well, figuring out what our routines are uh, as far as moving forward, um, questions of generosity, giving and receiving could be coming up with this, and uh, material processes. Janet's here. Janet Goodspeed. Yay. Happy to catch some of the live on my lunch break. Hello, Janet. I mentioned you earlier uh, when we were talking about Virgo too, about the, the working hard in our, in our, um, at our craft, in our workshops, and kind of the desire to just uh, be alone and do, do that work. And sometimes Virgo too people don't even mind working away uh, hard at their craft and feeling the solitude. I wonder, Janet, do you have any Virgo 2 placements? If you haven't checked out Janet's work at Good Sigil, check it out. I don't know if you have any of those exalted sun talismans still left over, but those look pretty darn cool. I've got my eye on that. So good work there, my friend. 
Okay, so that's the, the trine of Mercury and Jupiter. This is all building to a full moon. So here we can see we're moving through the days. We have the application of Mercury to Jupiter. We are going through the building energy of the moon. The moon's going to hit Saturn on the 27th. So there may be some emotional moments where you might run into some roadblocks. Okay. You still have Mercury opposing Saturn by whole sign. You get to the 28th and you have the moon hitting Neptune. So again, really take care of the details and, and don't try not to push yourself too hard. If you're having a moon Neptune conjunction, that's a great time to just chill, watch a movie or take a bath or something like that's, a, that's Those are good activities for moon Neptune and Pisces. And then we get to the 29th and here we have our full moon in Aries one, the, the Libra one sun opposing Aries moon in the first decan of Aries. So again, I will do live streams on the on the new moon in, in Virgo and the full moon in Aries. So keep your eyes peeled for that. That's what we do on this channel. But we have an interesting arrangement here. So this is going to be Friday, the 29th of September around around 6am Eastern time. Okay, make your adjustments for your location. And its host, the moon's host, is going to be Mars. And it is in opposition, okay, oops, to the lunation. It's co-present with the sun and in opposition to the moon. And Mars is in its exile. Mars is not in a great place. Um, Mars is going to be hanging out in a Deccan that usually causes us to try to balance out all of the competing things within us, um, all the different responsibilities, all the plate, different plates we have spinning. It is a Deccan where we are trying to maintain inner peace to be able to bring peace to external chaotic situations. It's a maintenance Deccan, like maintaining the harmony that we work so hard to come to agreement to in the second decade. So when Mars is there, it may be difficult for us to find an inner equilibrium, maybe difficult for us to juggle all the responsibilities that we have in our life. Um, we also may be aware of an injustice and an imbalance. And with the moon going into Aries, we might not care. <laughs> we, might not, we might be wanting what we want and we might not care if it's fair or not. And there, so there might be something where we're having to deal with an imbalance and an unfair situation where we really kind of want to move forward under our own power and coming into an agreement could be difficult, could be destabilizing. But Mars is conjoining the South node. Uh, so we may want to reduce our inner discontent and try to really embrace that inner harmony. Uh, even as we're moving out onto our into our own power during this period of time. Janet says, oh, thanks, Spence. I do have a few left. My only Virgo placement is the lot of fortune in Virgo one. Well, there you go. You've got got a nice uh, a nice placement there in that eight of eight of pentacles deck in working away at your craft like that 
apprentice of an advanced age. <laughs> Not say that you're old, but like, that's what we have in that card, right? Uh, just someone hammering away at their at their their pentacles or their um, talismans, which you do. Yeah, Janet's got good stuff. Check her out. She's got great, great stuff and has a cool newsletter where she talks about her favorite things too. I'm a fan. This is a, we have a, a, a mutual admiration society that goes on between me and, and Good Sigil and, and Janet. Fan of her work. I think this is probably because she's a Cancer rising with the Leo sun and I'm a Leo rising with the Cancer sun. We get it. We get each other. Okay. Let's keep going. So oftentimes we will look at the first aspect. Now the good news about this is that Venus is going to be trying to help us. Okay, our first aspect is going to be happening on the 30th. Now, before I get to the 30th, there's one part of this full moon that I want to point out before I forget. And that is that we have a Venus Uranus square. And Venus and Uranus have been kind of squaring off over the retrograde cycle a couple times. Um, this is happening with Venus in the third decan of Leo, where we're really trying to figure out which which things are most important to us that are worth defending? Which values are worth defending? And when Venus hits Uranus, sometimes we're going to have to deal with the repercussions of some forces that are greater than us that are out of our control. Um, one, one thing that happened to me during the, one of the Venus-Uranus squares is that uh, the butterfly that hatched today, um, I'm lovingly dubbing her Marsha, Marsha decided to transform to a pupa about 10 minutes before I had a reading. <laughs> and, and this happened right at the Venus-Uranus stage and also decided to begin to transform while I still had the caterpillars in an enclosure that I thought was big enough for all of them because I was not anticipating them changing. So they, they didn't seem like they were big enough yet. Like they were, they were too small, but Venus Uranus had other ideas and we're like, I'm changing now. You, <laughs> so Marsha tried to attach herself with a silk pad to a leaf while one of the other caterpillars who I'm affectionately dubbed Jan, who has since perished. <laughs> of course, Jan perished. Um, while Jan ate the leaf that Marsha was attached to. And Marsha's pupa or chrysalis fell to the bottom of the enclosure, right, sort of halfway in between changing. Like it was the caterpillar had attached itself and it was doing the little J shape, but it had not split and shed its skin yet. But it was on the bottom, and I was like, "Oh shit, what do I do?" And that's when I asked the tarot and got the 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 hermit and and tied it by its like little silk pad back up to the stick, and then it then it started to go through its transformation. But I had to change my my reading time by like an hour because I was like, I need to help this thing because it's probably going to die if I don't. So that was my Venus Uranus square where I was, you know, trying to fight the good fight for something I believed in, helping these little caterpillars come to adulthood. And there was something that was out of my control. Nature took over 
and I had to fix it. So there might be also something like that at this full moon where there might be something that you believe very strongly in that nature has another idea, right? And you have to, you may have to make adjustments to those circumstances. Um, yeah, Janice says, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Exactly. Like Jan was jealous of Marsha's transformation. <laughs> just like was like, screw you, I'm gonna eat this leaf away. Just I've just been seeing all this these relationships. Luckily, Cindy, the third one, um, attached it, it itself to a stick and, and is really well attached and is like very I'm trying not to move it too much, but here's Cindy. I don't know if you could see it. I'll stop share for a second. There's Cindy very well attached to a stick and probably going to emerge in a that that cindy went into cindy knew her timing cindy didn't fall prey to the venus uh uranus square cindy changed into a pupa chrysalis state at the venus kazemi okay so <laughs> that was funny so she should emerge uh about eight to twelve days from that kazemi moment so as we were talking about with the full moon, you want to look at the first aspect that the moon is going to make after it escapes from the bond. And in this case, unfortunately, the first aspect is in opposition to, to Mars. So here is the opposition to Mars right here, okay, at about 22 degrees of Aries and Libra. So this could be a little sticky, right? This could be a little bit like this full moon. We're going to really want to get our way. And Mars and Libra is making it difficult for us to come into agreement. And we may be really having to sell our viewpoint to somebody uh, in a relationship. Now, the good news, I think, about this is that the moon, although the moon is going to be making an opposition to Mars, Venus is going to be kind of helping. It's going to be making a trine to Venus shortly afterwards. And it's going to be, Venus is also going to be making a sextile to Mars. So rely on your value system, your authenticity to get you through this. You may have to use your sense of humor. You may have to use your charisma. You may have to use your social skills to get you through a, a challenging situation at the full moon. Okay. And sometimes you do have to compromise. Sometimes we don't always get our way and we have to, to let go of a position. But you probably know what your non-negotiables are at this point after the Venus retrograde cycle. So there probably be some things that you don't want to compromise on and, and that's okay. Again, not every relationship, not every agreement is for you, but you'll probably have a better, a clearer idea of what what hills are worth defending and which, which positions you need to move off of, okay? Okay, so let's keep going. So on the 30th, when we have that first aspect, we will also be experiencing simultaneously on the 30th, Mercury making a harmonious trine to Uranus. So in addition to Venus helping out the lunation itself, there's probably some fruitful conversations about how to move a material process forward, how to bring something to completion. And you may have to think outside the box. 
You may have to change the method that wasn't working in the past to be able to get to the finish line. And it's okay to change your method and your mind. If, if Saturn and Pisces and Neptune and Pisces has taught us anything over these cycles, it's that we need to not necessarily get attached to every first way we think something has to be. Because oftentimes our, our little primate brains may not understand the scope of things and the animate everything, the divine, in its great wisdom, being able to be a natural process, may have other ideas. Just like nature had other ideas. Nature didn't care that I had a, a reading the other day. It was like, aren't changing now. You know, like it was on its own timing. So with this Mercury Uranus trine, you know, be aware that there may be some adjustments that have to be made. Sometimes because of the opposition to Neptune and Saturn here, the divine has a better plan, the animate everything, nature has another plan, and that's okay. The, 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 the human life is so small in comparison to the long cycles of nature. And I think that we forget that sometimes is that we're living within meta cycles and cycles and cycles and cycles and it can just melt your brain sometimes trying to think about it. But it's important to understand that sometimes there's forces greater than you that you need to make adjustments to. Okay, so that's the 30th. So that gets us to the end of the month, friends. Woo! We're going to come in under three hours here. Uh, Julian says, Marsha gets nailed again. Don't play ball in the house. <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. Um, so, friends, we're going to finish off today. First of all, thank you for sticking it out with me. Thank you for being subscribed to this channel and supporting the channel. Thanks for all of you who have supported my work and encouraged me to, to go on this journey with the Deccan Walk. I hope that people will join us moving forward here. Um, I know it's a, it's a bigger commitment than you're used to working with me, but I, I hope to provide you with as much value as I possibly can with the, all the webinars being included with two, you know, three hour meetings every month, um, you know, a workbook where you can reflect on your thoughts a Discord server where we can ask questions and create community. I just think it's going to be a really cool offering. And um, I'm really excited about it. And I hope that you'll join me for that. You can find a link to that in the top of this chat or in the description of this video or at my website, spencermashow.com. So that's the Deccan webinar. Again, if you're balking at the investment of the tuition, payment plans are available. I will work that out with you. You can pay quarterly, you can pay monthly, whatever works for you. Um, okay. So the hexagram that I have for you is number 11, which I think is interesting as we move into the fall equinox because 11 is a perfectly balanced hexagram. It has a, a yin hexagram on top of a yang hexagram that are perfectly in balance. So it translates to peace, harmony, smoothly flowing, prosperity, the union of high and low, things going well, advancement. And it's changing to hexagram 34, which translates to great power, dominance, great strength, using your power wisely, using strength with justice. I thought that was interesting too. So we're going to have to balance out our strength at the full moon in areas with a sense of justice and fairness. Line number four says, one changing line, fluttering down, he does not use his affluence on his neighbors. Without admonition, there is sincerity. So fluttering down in the I Ching refers to the wings of a bird and using a light touch, okay? When we get into Libra season, 
we need to start embracing Venusian qualities. We can't force our way or force ourselves on people. If we're doing something interesting, just our sincerity will get us through it. Our social grace will get us through it. So despite your power or wealth, potentially, if you're doing something uh, or if you have great power, you shouldn't force it on people. Like, like it's, there's no need to threaten or sway people to come over to your point of view. Acting with simplicity, acting with humility, uh, not necessarily having to, to display your, your wealth around or things of that nature. The, the simple and simple uh, way can get you to the finish line. I think people respond when people are honest and sincere. Um, people can see through flattery too. I mean, I'm, so I'll try to hype up the deck and walk here, but at the end of the day, I believe in the work that we're going to do together. And I don't have to sell, sell you on it that much. You, you've seen the work that we do on this channel over years now. And I hope that you'll get a similar quality and experience and in more, even more in-depth experience if you choose to sign up for that. Um, Showing concern for your neighbors, regardless of their station, that's important. Um, sometimes we're going to come into contact with people that, that don't have the same resources that we do or don't have the same situations as we do. And it's important to try to treat people with fairness and equality. Um, people, this talks about people uh, coming to your aid if you show them respect. So, so even though you may have a different imbalance as far as your station, you, if you show people respect, you can find a way to harmonize with them. It encourages you, this line encourages people to keep the lines of communication open. Um, work with the spirit of openness and generosity, and then you will achieve what you want to through cooperation. Okay, like, it's very important to, to keep negotiating. If you get to Libra season, uh, trying to have the conversations with people when you need to have them. You may find that you have like a, you butt heads at first, but by keeping the, the, the goodwill between the two of you through communication, through assuming positive intent, that can really help you through, through getting through those difficult negotiations. The animal that I got for you is, feels very Virgoian to me. I got the cheetah. So the cheetah is about speed, stealth, strength, um, being able to respond to goals without hesitation. It's not time to plan. It's time to act. Like there may be something that you have to get done. Like you have to preserve the the bounty of of summer. You have a limited period of time to be able to do that, and you got to snap into action. The time time for waffling is over. You got to do something. Okay, so stay grounded as you move at top speed. Cheetahs they're very low to the ground. They're very flexible, right? So you have to stay flexible to to be able to achieve your your dream. You have to stay grounded. A project that you may have backburnered could become a top priority around this time and cause you to spring into action. So pay attention to what comes up that you may have to say, you know, it's just time to go. I need to put energy into this. Um, pursue your goals with focus and intensity. Uh, a cheetah can help you to get things done quickly and efficiently. Kick it into high gear. Be more assertive and find a sense of urgency. Along with that urgency, be open-minded and flexible. Um, and see the big picture. Cheetahs have excellent eyesight, so they can see things from a distance. If you know something's coming, prepare for it in advance, and then you'll, you'll probably have a, a better chance of achieving the goal. So a cheetah can feel like a whirlwind. So when we get into Virgo season here, we might feel like just everything, our head's spinning, like, oh, everything's going on. Like, I've got two fantasy football teams to manage. I've got this big deck I want to do. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but you, your mileage may vary. You know, it's back to school time. There's new routines that we have to get into. 
to be able to manage our lives. There's new responsibilities uh, where we're trying to to bring new abundance into our lives. And that's going to take a new uh, understanding of the skills necessary to do that. So be like Cheetah, you know, stock down your prey or whatever it is, your goal that you're trying to achieve, and then snap into action when the moment is right. Use your long range vision, lose your use your flexibility and stay grounded during the process. Stay humble. All right, my friends, that's what I have for you for September. You know, easy peasy, uh, short and squeezy. <laughs> so thanks again for going on this journey with me. Uh, follow me on Instagram and threads and X, I guess, if you want uh, updates on the butterfly journey and deck and walk and all of the uh, live streams that we're going to be doing. Um, so I, I love seeing comments and interactions on that as well. And just have a, have a good September. Have a great rest of August if you're still watching here today. And try to relax into the new reality, but take action when it's necessary. And most of all, be kind to yourself during the process. Be kind to yourself during the transformation that we're all going through. Be generous with the people in your community. And I think that we'll all be able to achieve the same goal that we're trying to get to, which, which I hope is to be peaceful and to have everybody have what they need. All right, my friends, that's what I have. And I will see you all next week. And we will talk soon. Peace, my friends. Have a good one.